everyone. Uh, Loremaster of Sotech here, and we... It's time for this week's episode of Lore Beers. We finally did it, guys. Two weeks in a row on the same day. <laughs> it finally happened. Uh, only took us, like, six tries. Um, yeah. So, uh, real quick, uh, as always, got Nathan here with us. Hello. Uh, my lovely co-host. And we have another special guest. Uh, this week, we've got Real You. Uh, if you would be so kind as to kind of introduce yourself and give everyone like a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. Of course. Uh, hey guys, I'm Ryu. I'm a concept artist and illustrator from Hong Kong. I'm probably well most well known in the Warhammer fandom uh, because I do Warhammer 40,000, uh, like Warhammer 40k webcomics. I do... I do a bunch of uh, four-panel comics for Warhammer community, including Roommates, Big Brothers, uh, and Chaos Undecided. Uh, so I'm most well-known in the Warhammer community for that. But more relevant to our, what we're talking about today, I also do concept art, uh, fan concept art for various for Cafe and Koresh. Uh, I did it, the Cafe stuff on my, uh, by myself, and I'm working with Furious Ming, uh, who also did Cafe fan art, and we're working together on the Koresh fan project designing units in the context of Total War Warhammer. Yeah. So you guys have seen their work, like, everywhere at this point. Like, Reddit is... Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, Ryu also did that absolutely amazing uh, Queek picture uh, that I uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I have that will one day <laughs> be a thumbnail for a video, supposedly. One according, day. According to myths. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, he's here today mainly to um, not only talk about a lot of really, really cool stuff uh, that he's been working on that we're really excited to show y'all, but also to do um uh, we're gonna be talking a lot about cathay because they were finally revealed this past week which was super duper exciting and it already feels like it was a thousand years ago but it was just a few days ago and uh he's gonna help us kind of understand the a lot of the direction that creative assembly chose to take with it as far as what the inspirations were um and maybe where it's going in the future, and maybe give us some insight on what we can expect uh, for the things that haven't been revealed yet. Uh, I so... will be your professional Chinese person. <laughs> he's he's going to be our guide. Yep, uh, because we are we are going we are going heavily into unexplored lands as far as uh... <laughs> and pronunciations. Yes, yes. I need help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm good. Uh, I can. I'm fluent in ca uh, Cantonese and Mandarin, so I'm good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm super duper excited uh, for this. But before we get into the really uh, spicy fun stuff, uh, we do have a couple of things uh, to take care of for housework. So we've got our Tale of Two Gamers uh, update mm -hmm. for this week. So, um, for those who have been following along the podcast two weeks ago, uh, Nathan kind of assigned us all uh, a hero, and I think everyone did a great job, except me and Nathan panicked. <laughs> we were struggling to get in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but we both do have one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'll go ahead and go first here. So, for me, I've got my spirit torment. So if my, I don't know if my camera's going to focus on this guy, but uh, this is one of my... You have a still picture? A what? 
Oh, a still, still yes, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, that might that, be more useful. That would be yeah. more useful, wouldn't it? Uh, Nathan, here, I'll just show other ones until <laughs> I get the, the picture uh, uploaded. So, I put it on the Twitter feed, too. Yes. Oh, you did? Okay, that actually makes it even easier. Um, so let me pull up that. So... We're going to go through all these real quick just to show off all the models that people submitted, which is super duper fun. So starting with Nathan, he's got us a, I don't even remember what this guy's called, um, the Slanesh Lord. Yeah, so uh, he's one of the new Slaneshi Lords that were released for the Heat Knights. And I've got him on a square base because I want him to be one of my champions. He needs a little bit of work because it was like last minute painting. But uh, I think he looks good in a square base. He fits really nicely on a 25 mil base. I think he's a Lord of Pain. Is he a Lord of Pain? Yes, Lord of Pain. That is that is the correct answer. These are all Age of Sigmar models, right? By the way? Yes. Because um, Age of Sigmar just has really sexy minis at the end of the day. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> um, a lot of the fantasy minis are kind of showing their age uh, at this point. But, uh, yeah, he looks great, dude. He turned out really well. I, he's got a really shiny... Um, what metallics do you use? It's almost got like a... It's very... It's got like a really nice... Um, um, fuzzy's not the right word, but it... it, it I, oh, I also like that you did a blood effect. The texture? Myself. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the texture on the, the metallics is really interesting. The uh, metallic is... Um... It's I can't remember the brand, but it's a special. Uh, it's it's what I use for my car. Funny enough, for the um, uh, for the whites, because I undercoat in white and then I use contrast uh, in some cases. So I quite enjoy using a white undercoat and then just painting over that. But the gold itself over it is li is uh, Liberator gold, which I think is just a really pretty gold itself. I would describe that texture as pitted. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right, well, I quite uh, like it. moving on to the next entry. Oh, wow, these are cool. Um, wow. Okay, so we've got a picture of Oni for a Nipponese army that someone looks like they've custom made. Um, wow, these are not only very well painted, but are just super badass looking minis. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I have no idea. <laughs> um this is uh rowan's this is one of my discord moderators yeah, uh, he, accused. He, he goes well out when he starts doing his armies he's been working on a nipponese army for a while and uh like you you can tell he, he gets really really into his army uh, stuff if you're able to get a hold of them we would love to know if these are kit or like a print from somewhere they're, they're a print they're a print uh ah. Rowan's yeah. in my chat at the moment, so maybe he can just... Uh... Yeah, I, I actually think people would love that file, especially in my community. All right, so uh, up on mine, I, I just uploaded mine, so the pictures aren't super amazing quality. But I've got some pictures here of my spirit torment. Uh, so he's actually holding still. But um, uh, this guy is super duper important uh, for my spooky ghost army. And he was actually mm -hmm. my... First experiment using some uh, uh, nitric oxide on the metals to kind of give them a aged or um, kind of rusted look. But still working on those gradients, but we're getting there. We're getting there. 
I love the mini. Oh yeah, absolutely. As as a 3D artist, like the sculpting work on the Age of Sigmar minis, they they're so good. Like I love doing my own sculpts, but like I have no idea how to arrange them in such a way that they look this good still necessarily. All right, yeah. from Marcus here at Ranger Markai, we've got a Highland Minis to make a questing knight with a gorgeous terrain piece. Um, oh. Wow. Uh, the basing on this alone is incredible, but the mini itself is also gorgeous. Oh, I like there's a skeleton like crawling out of the ground behind him. Um, yeah, uh, the basing on this is absolutely incredible. Um, like it's even got a Bretonian uh, symbol here in the front. Uh, I'm assuming he printed this or sculpted it himself, but uh, well done, Marcus. That is impeccable. That's this really is cool. What is what is that at the bottom? Is that flesh or flowers? Uh, I think it's flowers. Uh, like uh. one of the little uh, sprock flowers that you can buy that you just that like you stick them onto the base. Uh, uh. A lot of hobby stores sell those, but uh, this one's like a very dynamic piece. I would be fairly intimidated to see that throwing across the table at me. That is really cool. Here we've got uh, from Denevere a uh, he's painting his first army, and we've got here it looks like he's doing Stormcast Eternals, and he's got a Lord Imperitant with accompanying Griffhound, so looks absolutely lovely. Uh, congrats on starting your first army, dude! I wish you the best of luck with it. And best uh, army, and he's going for whites. That is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, you know, for especially for a first attempt, the detailing he did on the the cloak on the first picture to mm. get like the blues in those lines and then the little tabards and stuff, he did a really really good job for a first attempt. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so keep it up, man. Keep it up. Next, I wonder up... if that's freehanded. That's probably freehanded, right? Oh yeah, that's it's gotta, gotta be. be. That's gotta be freehanded. Yeah um next up oh we've got a classic we've got a metal old school gracier thankful <laughs> um, hey. and he looks just as spectacular as i remember back when skaven and so many other races were very squat so just a really lovely blast from the past many uh but what this guy does very very well which is something i really really struggle to do is his edge highlights are super duper on point especially on that mm -hmm. dagger where the raised uh the raised edges are actually um a lighter color than the or a different color than the actual blade itself to give it like a really really nice appearance mm -hmm. and i've been trying to do that and it's been a struggle <laughs> it's been a struggle um but yeah he did an absolutely great job he got and of course he oh man he did the bead dot for the eye without accidentally spreading red everywhere mm -hmm. this, this man knows how to control a paintbrush yeah. <laughs> next up we've got another spook um we've got the um god what is she called the the briar queen we've got the briar queen in here from goat force uh, oh, tactical sign is there in chat. You just dry brush that? Well, it looks great for a dry brush. <laughs> um, this actually looks like it turned out super duper well. Um, this um, um, Briar Queen model uh, did a really, really good job with all the flowers and stuff, but the, the, the getting her to have that spectral ethereal look 
looks absolutely fantastic. I'm assuming that you used uh, dichloric oxide uh, because it really settled into those recesses super duper well. A great job on that. Next up, we've got uh, from Todd K. We've got a Skink Star Priest, a nice classic mini, uh, and he's on a square base. I approve. Yeah, so ten points for that. <laughs> wonderful job on that, my dude. Looking good. Lots of golds and blues, and uh, went with all those pinks and purples for the flowers. Looks love great. the color choice. Yeah, it it's a really that uh the feathers are a really really nice standout there. Uh, from Florian Naradio, Naradio, we've got we've got green skins. <laughs> we got Gloom Spike gets. We, so we got a Dankhold Trogoth, big old model with just a ton of stuff going on. There's so many like mushrooms and all sorts of other stuff going crazy. Uh, we've got a we've got a Squig Rider, um, the the character version, and then we've got the Snazgar Skink, uh, Stink Mullet or uh the uh God, i can't remember what the actual model's name is but looks really really good um oh, shit. did the detail bits come with the model like uh, on the troll on the troll uh most of it does some of those i'm not entirely sure about the pumpkin looking mushroom on top that's the only one that is a little suspicious um mm. to me as far as like i don't remember that being on the kit but most of this stuff is uh part of the actual minis I love the textures. Yeah, he did a. Uh, it looks really good. Um, he did a really good choice with the coloration. Uh, like everything pops really nicely. Uh, yeah, it looks almost has like a fairy tale look, except it's trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually, I think my favorite bit is the the blue millipede creature that's coming off um, the shaman's staff. But the the colors are really bright and poppy, which is unusual for uh gloom spite but looks really really good like it 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 almost yeah it kind of looks like alice in wonderland popping out to uh kill you oh yeah and here's here's another picture of his uh dinkle trogoth um i think that's all of them on the twitter feed but i do have a couple extras here that were submitted on the discord so we've got an ogre tyrant uh that was One submitted step. and yeah, looks I awesome it's such a busy model like it's got little heads all over the place it's just got a lot of he's got so many little trophies around his model this is the newest tyrant model that was released in aos um and man it shows because he's just an absolutely amazing kick-ass looking model the and, composition on the age of sigmar models are really good yeah and then we've got this just stupid well done like gobsmacked well done wow um uh, uh i'm assuming this is a um I think it's a Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk, but like, god damn, <laughs> this thing is insane. Um, there are gradients everywhere. The face looks absolutely perfect. The the fur looks great. All the little, the, the like, he's got a custom base which is a giant glacier, and you can see footprints in the snow. <laughs> The gradients also executed really well. Yeah, like just looking at the the stone, uh, the thunder tusks horns, how it like goes from that uh, a normal kind of ivory bone color all the way down to almost a deeper gray, super duper naturally. Like, damn, <laughs> absolutely damn. Uh, and like all these little bits of like armor that have been attached to the thunder tusk, where you've got like metal and scale and 
all this stuff like good absolute grief this is this is god tier this is absolute god tier um so thank you very much uh to everyone who submitted uh we really really appreciate that and it's fun being able to um uh share uh our uh painting suffering <laughs> with you guys so uh nathan for the next two weeks so next time on um tale of two gamers what will be the uh theme well we've done a character so why not a troop choice so the character has something to lead Okay, so just uh, so a so not a monster, but a unit. Doesn't matter what yeah. kind of unit, just a unit. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with because uh, funny enough, I was just looking at them now. I've got a bunch of stuff here because I was trying to cut out some pieces. Um, Chaos Warriors, uh, but I'm gonna go with filing down the shields to give them a Sunashi look and give them the uh, armored helmet from the Hellstriders because I have a bunch of Hellstrider helms where I haven't used them so. I want to see if I can do 16 warriors. Nice. That means I can cheat and pick the unit that I'm not done painting. <laughs> but I'm still working <laughs> on. <laughs> I can finish my chain rafters. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, everyone, you got two weeks uh, uh, to submit uh, hashtag Lorebeards uh, on Twitter, preferably. But you can always throw it into our discords. Um, and we will be uh, checking those out. And this time's theme is... Uh, a unit. Uh, it could be any kind of unit. Uh, it does not have to be. Uh, it does not have to be infantry. It does not have to be cavalry. Um, it can be as long as it is a unit. Just because some armies don't have a lot of options, if we narrow it down more than that. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be Warhammer Fantasy. Just a reminder. Or AOS. It could be 40k. It could be some other company. It could be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Don't right. tell me that. I worked for this workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so that is it for lore beards. So the last thing we have to do before we we hop in with all the super exciting uh, conversations about Cathay and all that crazy jazz is this week's Who Would Win, which for once uh, I actually thought of and didn't go scrounging around Discord <laughs> to find. So because he has uh, been popping up everywhere, uh, he has just been super crazy popular uh, with the new Cathay trailer. We're going to be having Kairos Fateweaver go up against none other than Lord Mazdamundi. And of course, we're going to have these two uh, big boys uh, going all crazy on the magic fight. But they're going to be showing up with all of their, uh, their little things. So Mazdamundi will be riding Zlack into battle. That way, uh, Kairos doesn't have the ability to just fall on him from the sky and squish him. But, uh, so we're going to start up some polls uh, in chats while we discuss this. Okay. Uh, oh, flying cat. Okay. Win. Um, All right, and I'll grab 
uh, a, a little book here real quick so we can kind of talk about the characters in depth for a second. That should be live now. I hope. Yep, live on mine as well. So, starting with Lord Mazdamundi, uh, we do have the eldest of the living Slon, a, a true powerhouse in his own right. Uh, a character that, uh, for his feats, they are mostly magical in nature, though he is noted to not mind getting his hands dirty with black charging into battle and just running people over, uh, which does afford him a good amount of protection and makes him rather formidable in melee. Uh, as far as what he brings into the battle when it comes to, say, items and stuff, uh, the big things that Mazda Mundi relies on, of course, are the uh, the Cobra Mace, which the Cobra Race of Mazda Mundi is this kind of stick he carries around that, uh, in the lore, it's actually kind of a super amazing weapon in that it can literally come to life when someone tries to attack Mazda Mundi. And what it does is it's this freakishly fast serpent made out of gold that will lash out and it bites other people's weapons to shatter them so if someone tries to attack monster money even if it's a particularly if it's a magical weapon his weapon comes to life and bites it and shatters it in order to protect monster money from any potential attacks but uh it also this uh, is in melee right Yes, this is a melee. Only a melee. Yeah, he doesn't like okay. throw, he doesn't like whip it across the battlefield. But, right, right, right. right. Like, cool it doesn't work did. against like ranged. It yeah, doesn't no. work against like arrows or whatever. Yeah, no, he won't be like like slapping Marcus Wolfhart from like across fifty football <laughs> fields. <laughs> oh, he wish he could. Yeah, he wish he could. Uh, and then of course he also has the sunburst standard, uh, which the sunburst standard um, actually will not help him terribly much in this particular matchup. It basically he's got this big old banner that sits on the back of his palanquin that uh glow that just shines literally with the brightness of the sun which can make him very very difficult to see and target with shooting weapons because he's blinding you uh, for anyone that's made the mistake of staring at the sun for as long as you can to prove how cool you are but uh into this battle he does of course bring uh a just crazy amount of lore uh he is a master of all of the winds of magic uh and while he does not tend to uh um necessarily uh have every single spell ready to go at any time being a slon he's used all of these spells and he actually he has an active ability to uh switch between them freely uh in the midst of a battle so he'd be casting one spell and think mm, you know what no i need this other spell instead uh and his mind is just constantly revolving around and being a revolving door to answer particular scenarios he, of course, does have Geomancy, which allows him to do a, really, a lot of really cool things, like literally rip open the earth to make people fall inside and then slap it back together again. But against Kairos, that's not going to help, because Kairos, of course, is airbound uh, and likes flying around like the little goofball that he is. So uh, those are kind of the, the big things. And, of course, Mazda Mundi does have uh, his palanquin protecting him. So he does have this kind of invisible aura of magical protection that's going to try to keep him uh safe from kairos fate weaver and he does specialize in of course using and dispelling enemy magic but on the other side of the equation we've got none other than the big two-headed goofball himself kairos fate weaver so kairos of course is the mightiest of the lords of change uh, and when it comes to magical sense, he's actually weaker than most Lords of Change. Uh, 
uh, when he was chucked into the Well of Eternity by Zinch, because Zinch wanted to know what happens throughout all of time, but didn't want to risk his own skin, uh, Kairos had his physical body really messed up, which gave him two heads, but also made it where he can see the future. He could see all possible futures, and he could see the past without it being shaded by perspective. But he cannot see the present. Um, his future vision is kind of limited in that he could see all possible futures, but in a battle-type scenario, because he could see everything that could happen, it could be difficult for him to see which exact one is going to happen, which leaves him vulnerable. Um, it's it's more of a situation that when he's in melee, it causes him problems. But if Kairos is forced into a melee scenario, he has a really bad time because he can't see what's going on. So he like he can't parry very well, and he struggles to hit people because he doesn't know where they're going to be. Um, and he's also physically he, weaker than most lords. He's Kings. physically weaker than lords of Kings. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's 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 more fragile, and he also does not hit as hard. But he is still a greater demon. So he's kind of up there with like he's stronger. He's about on par with like uh beefier monsters like trolls or um minotaurs or like large ogres or croxagores. Like he can hit about as hard as they can. Uh, but his uh, like he's miserable at dealing damage in combat because he can't see he can't see where he's swinging. He's very slow at swinging. And he gets, like, physically, he just gets overwhelmed very quickly. So he's got to keep this to a magical battle. However, uh, just like Lord Mazdamundi, because he is the Oracle of Eternity, he could see all possible futures. He is very good at avoiding uh, getting absolutely smashed by people. And um, he has the Staff of Tomorrow, which the Staff of Tomorrow is basically, um, he has... His big old staff that he carries is not just for looks. It is actually a fulcrum through which he kind of channels all possible destinies. And what Kairos can do is he can very subtly um, alter fate um, very briefly. He can only do it um, a very limited amount of times in a battle type scenario. And he can only do it in very subtle ways. It's not like he can just like change fate so that like you fall into where he knows there's like a pit and he just finds the one future where you just didn't realize there was a pit there <laughs> and you fall in and die. Uh, it's not quite that extreme, but uh, he can maybe, uh, he can try and alter things to make things work out better in his favor. Um, so those are our matchups. Uh, Kairos, of course, knows a ass load of magic. Uh, Kairos's whole thing is that he, both of his heads know the lore of Zinch and then one of his heads um, is a master of the lores, uh, four of the battle lores, and his other head is the master of the other four battle lores. So here we have a ridiculous showdown of two characters who are honestly equally tough. Um, uh, Mazda a uh, Zlack does give him a notable defensive edge because Zlack, of course, is very, very tough. And Kairos will probably not want to fight the giant pissed off dinosaur <laughs> in close combat. It's not going to end well for him. But they both are afforded quite a bit of magical protection, and uh, they are both super wizards. Um, both of them are able to obliterate armies uh, and have uh, done so in the lore. It pretty much comes down to can uh, Kairos keep away enough 
Um, but let's hear uh, uh, y'all's thoughts on this idea so far. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? I don't know. Both of the characters are quite strong. Uh, I, I'd have to say, if it comes to favoritism, I'd probably go for Kairos, because you'd think a character like that, if he knows he's coming up against Mazda Mundi, would plan ahead. Obviously, the advantage of flight and being able to move fairly quickly does help. Though, I don't know, Mazda Mundi does hit quite hard too. I was looking at it from a tabletop perspective. Like, Mazda Mundi kills Kairos. Like, no problem. But then, if you look from a fluff perspective, possibly Kairos could if he keeps moving constantly. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for uh, Kairos has a absurd um, advantage in maneuverability. He's um, way more mobile. Yeah, being yeah. able to being able to fly is huge because obviously Zlat cannot get to you if you're not on the ground. <laughs> and, yeah. The uh, real, yeah, I feel like the real question is is how long Kairos can actually stay in the air. Like, if he can manage to keep out of the way of Master Moody's spells long enough to like he just like stays up there indefinitely. He probably wins, I feel like, because he can he can see into the future, right? So he has a really he has a much better advantage at dodging Master Mundi's spells than Master Mundi has from dodging his spells. So on a range perspective, he's probably also I don't know in terms of their magical defenses who would hold out longer, but assuming like relatively similar defenses, if he has greater mobility and ability to dodge from afar, I feel like he would win in a battle of attrition. Um, it, when it comes to defenses, Mazda Mundi has a slightly higher edge when it comes to stopping magic. Uh, he's, he's got a little bit more of an expertise in that. But Kairos <laughs> has a stronger expertise in casting magic. So they kind of equal right. out there. Um, and as far as actual um, defenses go, they're fairly evenly matched. They're both about equally resistant to being killed. They both can take about an equal number of hits if you could get to them. And they both, their barriers, uh, 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 like Kairos's ability to see fate and dodge things is about equivalent to Mazdamundi's shield of the old ones. So, um, in a pure attrition fight that just keeps going, uh, I do think you have an excellent point in that Kairos has a much more favorable position in that he can, he will have a better time being able to just focus Mazda yeah. Mundi as opposed to the other way around. Um, also, uh, in terms of rules, the shield is about equal to, uh, his ability to see into the future, but in terms of fluff, he can see into the future indefinitely, but the shield won't last forever. Yeah, that, so that's the, yeah. The, that's kind of the tricky thing about uh, the Shield of the Old Ones, is the Shield of the Old Ones is sort of this barrier afforded by the palanquins that um, it, it, it does have limitations. There are, you know, it, it can be penetrated, it can be uh, worn down if it is put under too much constant fire. Yeah. Um, uh, the the thing that um, uh, I think uh, uh, for me personally, I think the big thing for me comes down to um, would Kairos be able to stay airborne um, long enough to kill or disable Zlack? I think for me that's the big thing because as yeah. long as as long as Zlack is alive, Kairos is boned the instant he goes down. On if the Slack reaches 
LA rage, <clears throat> he immediately goes down. Yeah, yeah no, and, no and there is, and, and Masamundi does have interesting options in that with magic, you know, there are ways that he can literally just make Zlack fly. There are ways he can um, bring Kairos down can to the do ground. That? Oh yeah, and, there, there are spells to do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, they don't use them until I, I mean, the war, but they the rules, exist. Um, Masdamundi would have access to the lore of high magic, wouldn't he? Yeah, he uh, specializes yeah, right. in, in high magic. He could. In a they, fluffy could. Sure, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, plus, I have magic, you can fly. Yeah, and, and plus he is a master of geomancy. There, there is a lot to say that uh, he could literally. I mean, we've seen Mazamundi raise a literal entire mountain range, so maybe he just yeah. creates himself a mountain. <laughs> it's like go charge. Um, but um, I, I've actually seen a stupid scene like that happen in a Black Library book where a wizard used magic oh to like create a highway up to a flying thing to attack it, which was hilarious. But um. Screw you and a mountain range of Rodin on. Yeah, but there are also spells that could shut down Kairos um, from flying. You know, there are spells that disable flying. Um, mm -hmm. Because, like, if Monster Bundy summons a storm that, like, it's just this giant storm that's not particularly aimed at Kairos. It's just a big storm that makes flying physically impossible. Especially because Kairos is physically weaker than most Lords of Change. He could be mm -hmm. forced to be grounded. I mean, if you could see all possible futures, that's great. But if you, you know, if all of a sudden you're in a hurricane, <laughs> you, you kind of get down on the ground. Uh, because right, right, right. demons do have physical bodies when they're fighting in the physical world. So if they get hit by lightning or something, um, they are going to have just as bad of a time. Um, so for me, I think I think it honestly comes down to could Kairos' magic kill Zlack? And I think... Um, if he... The, the thing with Kairos is there are... Spells that could kill Zlack, but only from the neutral lores, the ones that Monster Muddy is very intimately familiar with. Um, and would know, like, I need to make sure these don't go off. And Monster Mundi, I think, would be able to prevent that. The lore of Zinch is, I think, where Kairos would really have his strength, because Monster Mundi doesn't know what's going to happen. And quite frankly, to an extent, Kairos is probably not going to know what's going to happen, because <laughs> that's the whole point of the lore of Zinch. But, um... The problem with the Lore of Zinch in this matchup is that the Lore of Zinch almost entirely relies on, um, they shoot these different colored flames at you, and basically Zinch Fire does not burn you. Instead, what it does is it tries... Uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not an actual fire, it just looks like fire. What it does right. is it mutates you. So depending, uh. depending on the color of the fire, um, it has different effects, but the general gist is that it will try to it basically like causes you to get super cancer or you know mutate tentacles that start strangling you to death or you turn the question is that that kills slack fast enough yeah but but the, yeah and what i was gonna say is the problem though with the lord of zinch and how it mutates is that the tougher something is both physically and mentally the the more resistant it is to be mutated and slack yeah. is like one of the toughest sons of bitches uh, that the Loserman have, and when it comes to mental fortitude, a Stekanon is the most stubborn piece of garbage son of a bitch <laughs> on the face of the earth. Like, they just don't care. Um, they are incredibly willful creatures, and and they get even more like, I don't give a damn, I'm too old for this shit, the older they get, and Zlack is the oldest Stekanon we know of. Um, at, I think he's like 500 years old or something. Um... So, Do they live indefinitely? Um, Stegodons 
maybe i don't know it, it they don't it's it's a little wishy-washy they with... probably haven't spe- specified yeah honestly. like we know yeah. we know yeah. carnosaurs can live for incredibly long times grimlock has been alive as long as crocar has and crocar's been around for like nine thousand years <laughs> yeah uh of course um but um uh but uh so i think for me personally i think that uh well i'll hear i'll hear y'all's uh answers first so kind of with everything we've talked about Kairos does bring superior maneuverability. He does have the ace up his sleeve of the Lord of Zinch can be unpredictable. Um, and he could get lucky. And if he manages to like, uh, uh, depending on like how the fates are doing with him, he could pull some really good shenanigans there. Um, he could also, um, uh, and, but you know, he is, I would say a more reliable caster than Mazda Mundi. He will have an easier time unleashing spells that are very, very powerful, but on the con- counter hand, um, Mazda Mundi is better at countering magic, uh, and is a specialist in every lore, just like Kairos is with the exception of the lore of uh, Zinch, which he doesn't know, but Kairos also does not know the lore of high magic. So that kind of equals out. Um, mm-hmm. so it kind of comes down to can Kairos bombard, um, Mazda Mundi hard enough to kill him or at least bring down Zlack so he can go finish off Mazda Mundi in melee, uh, or at least get close enough and just keep kind of pressing him, uh, to take him down. Or do you think that Mazda Mundi would be able to figure out a way to get into melee, uh, and allow Zlack to kill him? I mean, I think. I think a lot of this depends on how prepared they are for each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. if so, Mazda Mundi knows he's facing, so for who would I wins, feel like for who would win? Yeah, we yeah. always the the biggest the the important assumption is that they're fighting on a neutral battlefield, so there's no advantages mm-hmm. in terrain, but any yeah, kind no of terrain show up, yeah. and there's no preparation, so like they're just teleported into an arena and it's a death fight. Mm-hmm. So Kairos's future vision would only start to work once he arrives. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, you want to go first? Uh... It's a bit tough. I mean, I'd still. I'm looking at it from a table uh, tabletop perspective. So it's like, oh, you know, the Stegodon's getting too close. Quickly cast uh, Flesh to Stone, make myself more durable, and so on. You know, so there are ways that he can kind of combat against the Stegodon coming to him if it happens. Um, I'm still going with mobility. I'm still going Kairos. I still think that being the fact that he can see into the future and he has access to the same laws as Mazda Mundi, we know those laws are quite powerful themselves. He should, in theory, be able to outdo the frog. In terms of lore, can we assume that Mazda Mundi is familiar with with Kairos? Yes, they actually have fought before in wars uh, right kairos was okay. the leading general during the lustria invasion in the, the uh, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense yeah 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 okay yeah at first i was definitely leaning towards kairos because of the mobility but upon if mustamundi can make slack fly i think he has a pretty good chance uh yeah i think i think you've successfully talked me over onto Mazda Mundi. Uh, yeah, I think Mazda Mundi on a 60% chance winning, I think. If he can get slack flying or like cripple Karras's mobility, definitely he would win. Yeah. Okay. 
and I, and I I'm and, you know no surprise to anyone I'm go I'm siding with big old Mazda Mundi. Uh, I actually think there's a lore the spell in the lore of high magic that literally makes people fly. <laughs> I think that's like one of the, there is. that would not surprise me. Yeah, it makes so, you ethereal and you can teleport. I think it was twenty inches across the board. Yeah, so I I, I could definitely see uh uh, but I I think Mazda, I think they both have an incredible amount of tools. Um, but yes, I, I think do. I think the thing is is that Mazda Mundi has a much easier to achieve win scenario than Kairos does, because Kairos's yes. win scenario is that I have to either overwhelm the shield of the old ones through just pure magic firepower, in a but I'm also going up against one of the best anti magic wielders uh, in the world. Uh, there are a few characters who are as gifted at stopping magic. Um, and Kairos is also, I think, more likely to miscast than Mazda Mundi is if they're both going all out. Because Mazda Mundi very there's also that there's also that element of randomness to his offensive abilities. Yeah, it, it, the thing with Kairos is that while he could tweak fate a little bit to um, like make his match, like he could use his staff, the staff of tomorrow, to influence reality so that like when he's unleashing his spells. Uh, he's getting more favorable results when that randomness for like the mutations and stuff is going out. But I think Zlack would be able to take enough punishment for the spells that slip past. And I think the Shield of the Old Ones would hold out long enough for Mazda Money to be able to force Kairos into a fight. And like to put it into perspective how bad Kairos is at fighting, Mazda Mundi is a superior melee combatant to Kairos Fate Weaver. <laughs> like, Wait, for real? Yes, like in Ma in t oh my god. Like Mazda Mundi is, is he Mazda Mundi ha is more skilled at wielding a weapon uh and his weapon is very fast and venomous. <laughs> and That's if, true. Yeah, it is a magic weapon. Yeah. yeah, and if he could get close enough, uh there's actually uh there's not a impossible chance that the the serpent staff would actually shatter the staff of tomorrow if he could get close enough. Um so like Kairos cannot get into melee, and that's just such a broad number of scenarios. Whereas I, I think over like I think if 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 Mazda Money was by himself on his palanquin, where like he just would not have the ability to overwhelm Kairos in melee. Like if he got Kairos into melee, he would be you know able to hurt him, but he wouldn't be able to kill him. Um, whereas yeah. uh, Kairos could just keep repositioning and shooting him. But for me, I, I think Zlack is the the game changer. And that Zlack is easily tough enough to go up against even the beefiest Lords of Change. Um, and Kairos is the... <laughs> Kairos is, like, in the, the, the Chad the Chad Virgin meme, Kairos <laughs> is on the other side, even though he's the best wizard. Um, so, um, I, 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 I... But, but I, could, I could see it either way. Like, I could see the absolute argument that because Kairos has access to all the lords that he does... That maybe he would just bide his time and keep working on potential futures where he's able to cast a spell that could kill Zlack instantly. You know, where he's like, ah, pit of shades. <laughs> or, it's um, just that Master Mundi has a more immediately achievable win scenario. Yeah, I think. yeah, that's that's what it is for me as well. All right. So, uh, but, uh, oh, my poll vanished. But I know on my poll, chat voted, I think it was, I think it was 64% in favor of Master Mundi. What'd you get, Nathan? uh how do i check this oh here we go uh 49 for kairos turkey and big mazda gets 51 okay <laughs> all right so so i'm pretty even split in the chats uh mazda money mm. does come out a bit ahead though uh but it's a uh, good matchup yeah it is a good matchup and uh hopefully we'll have many more in the future but it's now time to get into the real meat 
of uh, right. today's conversation. So that's why you invited me here. <laughs> yeah. So for anybody that's been living under a rock, um, I mean, really, <laughs> Cathay was revealed this week. Um, for the first time, I think it just hit over a million views. Oh yeah, it's dude. You know how I know that it's super popular. I I had a friend over yesterday, and she does not give a shit about Warhammer. Um, like knows basically like most all of my friends do. Like nobody knows anything about Warhammer. They just they're like, oh, Ryan's talking on... about work. Great. Um, IGN and all the big press, uh, gaming press sites, they shared it too. So oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Well, I, IGN steals every trailer in existence for some they reason. Do. They <laughs> do. I don't know how they get away with that, but they do. I mean, um, I, that's probably the only way they're still alive at this point. <laughs> but uh, so, but I was talking to my friend, and I was telling her about the Cathay trailer, and it was super exciting and stuff. And she was like, "Oh, that's cool!" And like, she's like, "You know, I'd love to see part of it." And I showed her a picture of uh, Meow Ying. She's like, wait, I've seen her. <laughs> I've seen that picture going around. Uh, and I was like, that's how you know we've made it big. <laughs> we're so, oh, uh, got... I, showed my, my, I showed my friend and they were like, oh, dragon mommy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Meow Ying is fulfilling everybody's, everybody's wish list for Christmas this year. <laughs> yep. All Timmy wants for Christmas is to get stepped on by a dragon. <laughs> that's, all, that's all he wants. Um... So uh yeah, there's been a there's been a lot of uh uh spicy art of Meow Ying, despite the fact it's been oh, less right. than a week. Uh, yeah, I, I should not be surprised. Th- there's been it's, it's I have awful. no idea why I'm surprised at all. <laughs> it is it is there are certain subreddits that are very busy right now. <laughs> <sighs> uh but <laughs> getting more back on topic before we get demonetized. Um um so uh for all of us, this was an incredibly exciting day. Uh, because we are stepping into a world we've never seen before. There's mm-hmm. never been art, uh, official art, uh, sorry, around <laughs> you. There's never been official art. We have a beautiful unofficial art from certain kinds of amazing artists. Um, and we also, uh, the lore was... We technically do have official art from the roleplay books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the fourth edition. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they only kind of count, I... like... Yeah, edition, there was I'll... like a recent there, there was that one is it a more recent edition where they had um uh emissary from cafe yes. i believe yeah we actually and talked yes. about that on lore beards i think the first or second uh uh episode um so the fourth edition um fantasy has been leaning very heavily back into the older editions which has been good mm-hmm. and bad it's been good in that they're exploring the actual world much more so we're getting like art of Cathay, we're getting art of araby we're getting art of all these different places but it's also been bad in that, like, Volkmar the Grim is no longer canon uh, in the oh, roleplay. Yeah, Volkmar's not a character. Oh, uh, he's been replaced by some random dude. And Carl Franz is from... Uh, I actually got some new books I've been reading through, but Carl Franz is seemingly being played as a villain, um, which I'm not a fan of. Um, no. But uh, we'll, we'll see. And it, it's because they're following the, uh, the, the Shadows of the Empire campaign. Like that's the main push behind Warhammer Fantasy Fourth Edition uh, is a is a campaign a very long campaign series from Second Edition, um Warhammer Fa- or First Edition. Do you remember when the Enemy Within came out? Uh, second, I think it was second. But it's it's yeah. a very it's like a it's like five volumes and every volume is like or actually no I think it's more than five but it's it's colossal. The last one is about to come out. For fourth ed but they basically like reworked it for fourth edition 
but because they're basing their lore around it, like the empire is very, very different um, as are other aspects of the world, which I'm personally not a fan of, but you know, teach their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, once again, back on topic. So we're going to be talking a lot about Cathay today and all of the different things that have been revealed. And a real you here is going to help guide us through what the inspirations were. Because when I look at Cathay, I see a lot of beautiful things, but I have no understanding of it. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is cool. <laughs> like, Yeah. Uh, and they are pulling from a fairly wide range of like uh, Chinese imperial eras. So it does take a little bit of getting used to if you have no idea what you're looking at. So uh, Nathan, do you have any um, starter questions? I think I'm just, uh, I think, yeah. uh, uh, why don't you start us oh, off wait. and I'm going to pull up. Oh, wait, stuff. just to mention, I also have our Koresh team on Discord right now and they are awake and listening. So I can call upon them if I do miss something. Beautiful. Well, that's, that is the next, uh, that's on the docket. <laughs> We're going to go through so, Cathay first. I have sure, a sure. question uh, regarding what, what are those uh well in my mind they are pegasi aren't they in the trailer Uh, no well okay that it's been officially like they was it uh which they had like a few army names from i forget which publication but they've been confirmed to be longma uh like so longma are i was expect when i first watched it i also i was like wait are those i'm not sure what those are and then uh, i looked it up i was like okay no yeah those are longma because they're more uh longma is like literally it means uh dragon horse uh oh, and okay. it's, not, <laughs> it's not as popular uh it's not as popular a mythical car- uh creature so it's 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 more obscure but it does play basically the role of a pegasi in terms of like physical attributes so yeah because you know. I, I saw them and it threw me off because obviously i was expecting uh the key ling which were used in both Cathayan and nipponese army books back in the day uh, chirin is the japanese pronunciation the chinese right. pronounce pronunciation is chilin well chilin. Uh, i mean it's the anglicized version but yeah chilin is the chinese version. Just, so, you can say kieran i'm so, just saying yeah i actually right. saw a lot of people thinking they were chilin as well uh can you kind yeah. of walk us through what so what are those and what is the difference between them and the longba well okay the uh chilin uh the chil uh i'll just say the anglicized version so it's more <laughs> consistent uh yeah. also i have to say uh in case i make a mistake or misrepresent something i am like not like a huge historical buff i i mean i have a general understanding of mythology and whatever but please don't crucify me if i make a mistake and if i make a pronunciation mistake it's probably because i uh, i have like the cantonese and uh mandarin versions in my head at the same time and sometimes i mix those up a little bit but yes Well, everyone in, in chats should be behaving themselves and not being assholes, so there should be nothing to Oh, no, no, it's chat. fine. I'm just like, <laughs> in, chat. Case, in case another Chinese person is watching, I'm like, I, I know I might mis- uh, make a mistake every once in a while. Mm. Yeah, well, if there's uh, one thing I've learned yeah. about history, it's that, like, y- you put five historical fans in a room, and they can all be experts on the exact <laughs> same thing, and ask them something about it, and you'll get five different answers. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but so basically they're both okay. So both Chilin and Longma are like um 
they uh, uh Chilean and Longma, they are both they herald good fortune basically uh like a lot of um chinese mytholo uh, mythological creatures that are positive they basically uh herald great things to come and good fortune yeah. uh if inter like honestly that's pretty common in a lot of mythologies um in terms of physical differences that's probably the most obvious the chilean is more of a it's number one it's got antlers uh, and number two, it definitely doesn't have wings. So they basically, the most depictions, they sort of just glide around and fly around uh, without having wings. Uh, and I assume that's probably why they didn't use them for the basic cavalry, because they probably look a lot more magical and powerful than the Longma, which do have wings. They're basically uh, winged horses with dragon scales. So yeah. they look more down to earth and they probably fit better for like a general cavalry uh, depiction. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at the screenshot right now, and like, they, they, they look pretty damn cool. Like, <laughs> I like, I like the look of it. I'm, I'm assuming by the way that you've described it, you'd see them as like uh, the Bretonian Pegasus Knights in a sense, like in terms of usability in battle. Yeah, probably. Yeah, mm. I mean, like, judging by like Warhammer, probably honestly, like they're not going to be using like the mythical powers and whatever. Yeah, and and like we we have actually seen an article. Uh, I think that was released by. Oh, I'm probably gonna mess this up. I think it was Game Express that their official title is they are the Great Jade uh, Longma Riders. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes cool. sense. Yeah, but uh, also of note, I would like to just note that both Longma and uh, Chilean are uh, linked with. Chinese emperors because well uh, like I said Longma is like dragon horse and uh, dragons are basically the symbols of the emperor and the imperial family and mm -hmm. Chilean are also uh, heralds of like a good ruler right so like uh, there's if, if you see a Chilean that means like there's like a great period of prosperity to come and the emperor is a good ruler yeah That's so they're cool. both linked to the imperial family right all right, so um, yeah, because that that's definitely a unit that like immediately stirred up a whole bunch of conversation until everyone figured out what they actually were, <laughs> because everyone was like, like, what? It threw me off. It really threw me off. I must admit, though, that like I I love the look of them. I really, really do. I'm gonna have to look up more close up screenshots. I've only seen the the big. Um, uh, I, the I have one. Scene one. Yeah, I have one uh, pulled up here on my stream. Uh, uh, the screenshot that we were provided, because we, we were provided with some screenshots from Grave Assembly, oh, um, which okay. uh, has like a really nice up close shot where you can kind of see like the underbelly is like those larger scales that we kind of associate with the underbellies of. Uh, All right, dragons. this is. Uh, yeah, I've seen this one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I actually really, really like their wings. They almost like like while they are dragon wings, they almost kind of have like a butterfly um look to them because they they have like a sparkle effect it almost it, it gives them a very almost ethereal quality which i really like mm -hmm. um usually Man, in a lot writer... of sorry go ahead. <laughs> go, no, ahead. No, go, go ahead like uh in traditional drawings of them honestly uh, the wings are not usually that prominent so uh, mm. you could probably do anything you like with them like in terms of the stylization of you know, whether to go, like, bat-like, dragon-like, or, like, fettered. Well, it's still Warhammer Fantasy, so they kind of have to make it a bit more yeah. uh, out there. I mean, I, I like the look. 
I, uh, I'm dreading painting them in the future if models ever come out for these. <laughs> oh, you know they will. You know they will. I have issues painting wings, like, really badly. Always, always, always. <laughs> I actually just noticed that the riders don't have saddles. Um, oh, yeah. they're, they're riding bareback, which, considering the amount of armor they're wearing and that they're holding shields and spears, that's super impressive and also terrifying. <laughs> Could that be a work in progress thing? Yeah, it might be work in progress. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll have a thing about how like they don't. Maybe maybe they're such good writers they don't bother with saddles or something. But like, good lord. Um, so uh, this image I think is actually a really good one for kind of focusing on certain units and discussing them. So I want to talk. I, I think for the next thing I'd like to hear your opinions about. Uh, obviously, a lot of us in the West are familiar with what these are likely based on, but maybe you'll have some more details for us is the uh what are your thoughts on the terracotta sentinels terracotta sentinels i mean uh obviously they're based off the terracotta army and chinese is called uh the bing ma yong uh bing ma yong in uh cantonese uh i would say okay i can talk about it from an artist perspective and from a cultural perspective in terms of a cultural perspective they look fine i mean like it's fine, but they just don't. Okay, it's a bit hard to talk about. Uh, let me go for the aesthetic look first. Okay, in terms of my opinion as an artist, I like how they look, but I wish they were a little bit less textured. Uh, I find because they are like giant statues, right? I wish they went for more like um sculpted look instead of like the armor looking like lamellar how, how do you pronounce that uh is, am i pronouncing that right uh lamellar armor uh, uh i think so if i if i understand what you're referring to correctly yeah it's a bit uh, steampunk is that what you mean no it's like the it looks more textured than what i would expect a statue to look you know what i mean yeah 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 and it's not a bad look. I just wish there was like a little bit more focused um, because it does sort of like muddy up the sort of like overall composition a bit, but it does look very cool. Um, in terms of a cultural look, it obviously takes a lot of cues from uh, the traditional depictions of Guan Yu, aka Guan Yu, the god of war from three kingdoms mm -hmm. uh because especially with the big guando then he uh the guandao that he uh, that it's holding so it's taking a lot of cues from like depictions of like chinese generals in that sense um but um have you guys ever seen uh pictures of a terracotta army in like the actual terracotta army in china yes uh at least at least here in, in the states it's a really it's a really popular thing to know about Right, yeah, I've actually been there in person. Um, they're pretty cool, and actually, um, they used when they were unearthed, they were actually painted, but the paint actually evaporated after like a while, so because they ah, weren't preserved correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously, the Terracotta Army is from the Qin Dynasty, right? So they have a more ancient, and they're from the Qin, uh, uh, the closest period that you guys might be. Uh, able to like parse it would be like it's the uh you know like three kingdoms takes place during the han dynasty the yeah. qin dynasty takes place right before the han dynasty 
So it's from about that ancient era of like, you know, like 2000 plus years ago. And the armor did definitely look a little bit more primitive and simple back then. And I sort of wish they had gone for a similar vibe, honestly, to make it look more ancient and sort of statuesque, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it, it kind of seems like uh, with the Terracotta Sentinel, they took a more, um, uh, they they went with a more fantastical approach than they did with many, many of the other aspects of the army, and especially when they light up. So like when they're active and you have, like it, it has a cool effect, but I, I think mm-hmm. as you kind of said, it, it came a little bit at the, it, it came at the price of, um maybe a more um authentic design because it looks like the reason they made them so incredibly busy was to give them that um almost like a they almost look like a like they're hollow and there's some kind of giant fire that's been yeah. lit inside them which it is a cool look effect, like that but because yeah. it looks that, almost like a furnace yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, they, yeah. They look like a living furnace, which, as you mentioned, is a cool effect, or, or uh, as we've talked about, very, very cool effect. But um, it, it, it does give, it does make them very busy. Mm-hmm. I also wonder if there are actually smaller infantry versions, because if I remember correctly, in uh, the old was it Storm of Chaos or whatever, um, there was the old, there was like an old campaign or whatever that talked about the chaos forces attacking like the the cafe's outposts and they had mentions of terracotta soldiers and they those should have been about infantry height i believe so i do wonder if there are smaller versions of that yeah so i, I actually, it was it was in the tarmacon supplement um right yes so tarmacon. In, in tarmacon, there's a there's a really that. big fight between um one of the baddies leading a whole bunch of beastmen and uh norskins and chaos mammoths and stuff against cathay mm-hmm. Um, that, that supplement's a little infamous, um, because I, I think, uh, actually, I can't remember if it was you I spoke to or someone else about it, but, uh, the, the weird thing was that the, the creator who wrote it seemed to base most of his designs and thoughts off of, like, he had like a couple of, yeah, it was mostly Japanese mythology. With a but couple of Chinese abs- things sprinkled to in there. To be fair, a lot of Japanese mythology comes from Chinese mythology, so you yeah, can find roots in Chinese mythology yeah, if you he, wanted he to. Ha- he had a really big obsession with um, crowmen. Crowmen were yeah, like the, one of the big, yeah. yeah, were one of like the big features of the battle, um, along with like firework cannons and a bunch of other stuff. But um, uh, earlier Warhammer Fantasy Law, uh, and if we go back to second and third, we did have units that were interchangeable by both cafe and nippon yeah yeah um so i mean i would not be surprised to see infantry terracotta soldiers um i i think i'm I'm expecting it only to be the sentinel um right now. yeah honestly realistically probably but i do wish there was like an infantry version yeah and- oh um do, do you mind if i quickly uh send you some of the art i did because i yeah, did do my own version terracotta yeah i would well I not would... since terracotta infantry Ooh. here yeah i sent it to you so uh i'll just quickly talk about my personal concept for it uh my concept for it was that basically they were like uh funerary rites so as you can see i have like um little pagodas on the shoulders uh i intended those to sort of like be like incense holders and then if you look at the um the gorget the 
I, what we used to call it, the sh- um, neck piece design. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. actually a traditional Chinese tomb design. Uh, so, <laughs> tra- yeah. Traditionally, um, like, it's uh, the open semi-oval, like, in the middle, that would be, like, where you put, like, um, incense, where you would put, like, offerings for your ancestors. And on the two sides, like, the uh, names of the buried people are there. And also have, like, the funerary plates as, like, sort of, like, a skirt around his waist. So that was my personal concept for them. I thought it would be really cool if, like, oh, yeah, the terracotta soldiers are, like, uh, monuments to like fallen soldiers from uh, pre, uh, for, uh, and then they have like a statue dedicated to them that comes to life to fight for cafe. That would be super cool. Yeah, and you know, a, a, a thing that I actually really like about this that the that I think ties into what the um the total war design missed a little bit, though I think there's a reason for it. I'll address in a moment. But um, the thing that I really like about your design that I feel the Creative Assembly one missed a little bit was that um, this ties back very heavily and neatly to the fact that the terracotta soldiers in our world, to my understanding, are a funerary or they're part of a tomb. Yes, uh, they are basically representations <clears throat> of the army of Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor, when he was buried, like basically like instead of like actual well back in the day they actually sometimes did bury like actual people with the emperor because you know the emperor you you can do whatever the hell you want um but yeah so instead of burying the entire army they buried a representation like a live representation of his army like apparently all of them are modeled on actual soldiers in his army and they were buried with him as like to escort him into the afterlife or like to like as his army in the afterlife yeah, so I, I think you captured that really, really nicely. Um, and that that's something that the, the Furnace Soldiers kind of missed out on. Uh, but the Furnace Soldiers yeah. seem like they kind of took it more in a direction of like these giant magical things that are the Sentinels. You know, they're, they're guardians that, uh, you know, people would be used to as being part of their, their villages or towns that come to life as these mm-hmm. big kaiju defenders yeah it's um, very cool for sure it's just like a less of a specific reference to yeah. the actual thing they're based off of and i i think the big thing uh at least as far like i this is what i'm thinking was the, where they were in their headspace especially because they had games workshop kind of looking over their shoulder um as far as like what they wanted everything to look at is that <clears throat> i think when it comes down to it they may have felt uh i don't necessarily agree with it but uh, like i said i kind of see where they're coming from i think they may have felt that the a lot of the uh, funerary or death iconography would make them too similar to the tomb kings uh well, for sure that the tomb kings I, are I very are very big on like we have giant constructs that are more simplified and they're all about death like everything's about death and funerary and all that <laughs> stuff. All yeah like that's it like tomb, tomb kings are literally just egypt but only if they worship death <laughs> um so I, I could I'm I'm the part of me that thinks is that when they were looking at it, they were like, okay, we want to give Cathay terracotta something, but we don't want them to be too similar to Ushapti. We don't want them to be too similar to um the Hyra Titan and the Bone Giant. So what do we what do we do here? And this seems to be where they landed. Um yeah, was, it makes sense. It's was, just I, it's a little sad that they couldn't add like a little bit of extra flavor to them. I mean, yeah. maybe in terms of like maybe when games workshop comes out with more lore they'll have like a more specific niche in terms of like the theme but right now yeah it's like i am missing a little bit of like extra spice they're cool but there could be a little bit more yeah 
All right, so do we have any thoughts on this mystery piece? The the giant green lantern I have pulled up on chat, or uh, on the, the channel, which from what I have read seems to be, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but the Wuxing War Compass? Um, there's mm -hmm. been a, I've seen a lot of debate on it. Um, from what I've been reading on Reddit, and this could write, like I said, I was literally reading off this Reddit, so if this is wrong, uh, <laughs> forgive me, folks. But from what I've been reading, apparently... The, the word uh, wuxing seems to refer, can refer to like the concept of the elements, like the five elements. Wuxing. Uh, it's wuxing. Wuxing, yeah. okay. Uh, wuxing. Ah, don't worry about it. You, I'm uh, trying. Yeah, I promise don't, I'm don't trying. You've given up already. Listen, listen. If you keep trying, supposedly eventually you'll get it. So I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, work, do, but do you have any I thoughts on uh, a if that may even be remotely accurate? Is it this kind this war compass? Because uh, the compass was invented in China, or at least was like one of the major. Well, I don't know if like globally it was invented in China, but the compasses are counted as one of China's four great inventions. So it was definitely developed locally in China. It was not passed to China. Uh, in terms of like our knowledge about it at least so there are like um so it's like one of the uh, inventions of like the yellow emperor which is like a semi probably mostly mythical uh first king slash emperor of china oh you know someone in chat actually just said something really cool that i didn't even think of mirage fire says uh maybe the war compass refers to the winds of magic because the winds of magic there are eight winds and they kind of have a, a a cardinal direction because there are eight of them and there are eight directions um right so, so maybe it refers to a that giant ball uh with that green energy in it maybe is a device that allows the Cathayans to uh manipulate and control oh. the winds of magic Let let me first break down what the wuxing is. Okay, yeah, first please. of all, obviously, I am not like a practicing Taoist, and I have like just like a general knowledge of what Taoism, uh, like what their doctrine and beliefs are, uh, from like general cultural osmosis from like movies and books and whatever. So I am, if I get it slightly off, please don't crucify me. Uh, but basically, the wuxing are. What you might most commonly know, uh, know them are uh, as are the five Chinese elements. Um, so, do you wait? Do you guys know what the five Chinese elements are? Nope. Uh, I had a brief idea of it, but like, <laughs> is it, does it at least have earth, wind, fire, water as four of them? <laughs> no. Oh uh, well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It doesn't have air. So the five Chinese elements are uh fire water wood metal and earth yeah. oh okay I, i'm familiar with that concept i know a fantasy told. series that definitely stole that <laughs> chinese based they definitely stole it uh so the wuxing uh they're not elements uh, necessarily in the same way that the greeks uh recognize elements as because Dao, uh, in Taoism, a lot of stuff is like really conceptual and sort of like um one thing is not only the literal thing that they are so like if you're talking about like elements as most people know them as in the western world elements are oh yeah like this is literally fire this is earth this is what uh this is water whatever 
in Chinese and Taoist uh, philosophy, the five elements are sort of like phases or expressions of reality, and they are philosophical concepts that lead into each other and are interconnected and are representations of facets of how the world interacts with each other and what the world is. And that is a lot of philosophical stuff to talk about on the lore podcast, but it is a sort of like really conceptual thing. And it's a little bit hard to break down in an easy to understand way. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, and oh, any, okay. any thoughts on how that might apply to this piece? Right. So uh, I was going to say, in terms of the eight, uh, the eight winds of magic thing, um, the, it, they're not directly. So, and uh, there's another concept in Taoist philosophy called the bagua, which are like, oh God, this is getting complicated. Um, <laughs> hey, we love this. complicated here. It's I'm another, loving this. Another system of breaking down how the world works, and it's basically it's like uh, uh it's like eight different uh, phases, and uh, eight, uh, so like it's all like symbolic and stuff. It's like ah. Uh, there's like uh, this is how we understand the world and the bagua is like one of the way uh, there are like eight ways that you can break the world down and they all interconnect and then the wuxing is also another is another way they can break uh, the the reality and existence down into like different phases and interactions between the material world um and they are sort of connected in that they all relate back to the core what Taoism is, right? So what Taoism is, is that there is a Tao, uh, which is the fundamental flow of the universe, right? It is basically what the universe is and what everything leads back to. It is, it, uh, and everything in reality leads back to the Tao. Uh, so basically how Tao is mostly interpreted as is the Tao leads into through a couple of phases, it leads into yin and yang, uh, yin hao yang. Uh, so like yin and yang are uh, are two, the two fundamental facets of what the Tao is. And then the wuxing, the five elements are like further reflections of that, breaking it down into like more easily, uh, more easily understood like segments of reality. Okay. And so if you're talking about like, oh, it's a wuxing uh, compass, like, it's like it could i don't know how that would relate back into the winds of magic but it probably is like manipulating reality on some level if they're using magic to manipulate the wuxing interesting so do you do you think it would be more likely then that maybe it because it doesn't appear to have any kind of riders or um <clears throat> like warriors on it it seems to just be like literally a giant lantern with eight little dragon heads on each cardinal direction that is full of some kind of magical energy that's just being pulled by horses. Um, Absolutely possible. I mean, honestly, at this point, we don't know how deep they are getting into, like, the Taoist references. So, oh, like, it, they could honestly do anything, right? Yeah, but uh, but based on what you said, I almost wonder if it might be that it's it's some kind of... So instead of interacting with the Eight Winds, Maybe instead it might be something that is a support piece that center, that either enhances or buffs in some way um, the harmony I like system. Probably, I feel like that's probably the way to go in. 
Yeah, uh, because like we uh, like we know, um, all the Cafean units have like uh, access to like the Yin and Yang harmony system, right? And the Wuxing does lead back into like creating harmony and balance, for, uh, uh, like like uh, each basically um, each element leads into the other and interacts with each other uh, uh, on a like differently, but basically it all comes back into like a cycle, basically. So it does. It would fit into the theme of like creating harmony within your art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, for anyone unaware of kind of what we spoke of there, just to make sure everyone's kind of on the same page, um, we have had reveals in various articles um, and like the FAQ page and all this stuff about how um, Cathay has a mechanic known as harmony, which the harmony mechanic is kind of their overreaching mechanic for their, their faction, just like how. The Dark Elves have Murderous Prowess, the um, the mm, Tomb Kings have the Realm of Souls, all that stuff. And what yeah. it sounds like is it it almost sounds like a defensive version of the Norskin's Berserker Rage mechanic. But instead of it being you throw yourself in combat, and the longer you're in combat you build up buffs, instead sounds like it's a system where the Cathayan units have to be working in, in a certain system with each other. Like... Um, your melee units probably being in melee or being in front, your ranged units being protected, shooting from behind, but like keeping a harmony within your army um, through their that's sort of like based, I think. Yeah, through like your your who knows whether it's going to be stances or whatever you're doing, but you you build up harmony and it provides certain kinds of buffs for your army. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about with that. In that it's it sounds like it's going to be a system that very heavily rewards um, very considerate and balanced play, which is something we don't really see right now in Total War. Um, well, it's is... next to impossible in this current Total War iteration. <laughs> well, you could do it, but you, you know, you're doing it at your own detriment. If you're not, if you're not cheesing the hell out of everything, I'm sure. If yeah. we, I'm sure if we dr dragged legend of Total War in here, he would, he would have some I'm thoughts on that. <laughs> um, but um so who knows? Maybe maybe Cathay will be the anti Legend of Total War army. <laughs> See, I finally found a Kryptonite bullet for him. But um, um, speaking of that, um, from as far as like um pulling from taking Chinese mythology and history and putting them into Warhammerifying them, which is much more complex, uh, almost complex of a system than just mystifying. Because to Warhammerify something. You have to make everything associated with war <laughs> and it also has to be able to deal with all of these other cultures that have gone through the same process how do you feel about the focus on yin and yang and harmony and the 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 direction they're taking with Cathayan's battle tactics um okay just quickly jump back to the previous uh topic because i had actually had a thought uh while you were talking sure if you don't mind uh because uh to add on back into against the sort of like the using the compass to manipulate the winds of magic in order to cast spells. Um, I think an important point if you're uh, considering Chinese mythology to consider is that the Chinese interpretation of magic is not quite the same as the Western uh, Western conceptions of magic uh, in traditional terms. So, like, if you're if you ask like a Westerner. Uh, oh yeah, what is magic? So like they'll tell you, oh yeah, it's like a wizard. They throw fireballs and then they do like transformation spells or they summon things. Uh, 
Chinese mythology, uh, magic doesn't really work that way most of the time. I mean, I guess like in theory they could do those things, but it's more about manipulating your own chi and it's manipulating the energy of the world, right? So it's either a more invisible kind of magic or it's more of an internal kind of magic. So uh, that's probably why they have like a sort of like yin and yang uh, magic for their casters for cafe instead of uh, the standard like winds of magic casters. Though maybe they still have that. I have no idea. Um, so because like the how they express the magic is more either internal or subtle and you at mostly get like shape shifting or whatever. So may, that could be a good uh, indicator towards uh, the compass not being uh, a ma- magic casting. Um, yeah. I almost wonder, unit. I almost wonder if the reason they call it a war compass, I wonder if it like absorbs the winds of magic, but then transmutes the transmutes the winds into this other form of energy that Cathay prefers to use. That would be very interesting. It would be like uh, you can like spend your winds of magic for like active buffs and you have to choose between different kinds of buffs or debuffs. Yeah, that, that act- could be interesting. I, I could see that being really fun of being like okay, Cathayans don't interact with the winds of magic in a traditional fashion. You know, they as much probably. Yeah, as much. I'm sure uh, they probably use it in some yeah, to some uh, extent. But like maybe the celestial dragon, you know, the the dragons uh, taught them how to take these chaotic eight winds that are unnatural to the world and make it into a natural force that they then use to like physically buff themselves. Yeah, um, that could be interesting. Yeah, but uh, so so back to the the harmony and the yin and yang as far as that being the core fundamentals behind the war the war design the battle design of Cathay. What what are your thoughts there? Hmm. Well, okay, for my in terms of like overall aesthetic, right? Or like just like are we talking aesthetic or theme? Uh or whichever you prefer. Time. Okay, in terms of aesthetic, I am enjoying it so far. Um uh in the Koresh team, we've been talk uh we've been like speculating about what the cafe and units would have uh would look like for a while. And uh we discussed that we were really glad that it didn't look like the Qing Dynasty, uh, Qing Dynasty armor designs, for a few good reasons. Because would you like like me to like go more in depth about this stuff? Oh, go um, ahead. Please. Oh, in depth So, if you don't know, the Qing Dynasty is the most recent dynasty. Uh, like it lasted up until like the very early uh, 1900s, until it collapsed, and then the nationalists took over. So the Qing Dynasty is what a lot of um, Westerners would might be most familiar with in terms of imperial Chinese designs, but it is also not very representative uh, representative of traditional Han Chinese designs because the Qing Dynasty was actually established by the Manchus or the Jer- Jerkins. Uh, I uh, they're established by a minority ethnic group, and for the vast majority of Chinese history, uh, the Chinese dynasties have been ruled by the majority Han Chinese ethnicity. So uh, we were we were thinking like it it's sort of stereotypical. It doesn't necessarily represent as much of the uh, the general breadth of the Chinese history. 
So we were glad to see that it was going, it wasn't going for the stereotypical Qing designs, and which were we were we were a little worried about because we the like uh, mentioned the emissary from the role playing uh, Warhammer role playing was using very specifically Qing design motifs. So we were really glad to see them go in the other direction and sort of like uh, look through more of the Chinese history to get inspiration for the design. Well, uh, my theory regarding the, the why the emissary had a, a Qing design is because Cafe uh, geographically in the Warhammer universe is, is so large, they've probably got inspirations from different dynasties to different oh, uh, sure. sections of the country itself. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we were definitely, uh, we have no issue with like Qing Dynasty designs. It's just like, we're glad that it's like, they didn't use it for the overall aesthetic, you know? Yeah. I mean, a little variety in terms of design and stuff is cool. What, yeah. One thing that kind of pisses me off about the Empire is everything looks like a Reichlander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. yeah uh, unfortunately, that's, it is Warhammer. That's, that's just take everything to 11. Yeah, well, that that's unfortunately just just the limitations of the video game. I think is <laughs> is that it just the the effort to make the empire really have like distinct a cohesive aesthetic. Yeah, well, let's get the just... shoes off the Sterlanders. Just take the shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like hope you know. I, I I would just hope that we get like at least a DLC, one DLC that gives us some interesting looking non Reichlander stuff. Like a lot of us I know are hoping for Middenheim or Midland at some point. Oh yeah, there's a lot of hype for Boris. Yeah, Boris and White Wolves and all that stuff. But um so um uh do you um so um now that we're we're kinda on it, um as far as the aesthetic goes, how how are the thoughts about what they did decide to use? Uh, so we know we have the Jade Warriors, which are the the they're the like medium tier infantry that have the like the the yeah. big face thing in front of their face, and then we've also That'd got a, the uh, well, how to classify that as it's it's like a neck lock. I don't yeah, know I, I don't know what, I don't know what the term for it is, but I I've seen it in other um uh I've seen it before in like fantasy armor and stuff. But so we got those guys, which I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure are the Jade Warriors. Uh, they've got those big, the, their armor right. like comes up in front of their face. We've got the Celestial Dragon Guard, who are the guys that are just decked in armor and have the super fancy shields. And they also have like the the really nice plumes and stuff. And then we've got, uh, we have seen, I don't, I, I assume they're not called Peasant Infantry. I don't know what to call them, but they have the, they have the pointed round hats. They've got like the wide brim pointed hats. Um mm -hmm uh and uh so what, what are your thoughts on the designs of the infantry and the the soldiers that we're seeing uh the particularly the melee variants i like them i mean we are basically going into fantasy right and unless yeah. you're going for like a very cohesive specific reference to chinese history like you are going to be like drawing from like all general aspects of chinese history but i do think they look they look good. I mean, <laughs> unless you're an art director, it's really hard to like go in and say, oh yeah, this is like, I think this should be this, right? I, just in general, it looks good and it fits, honestly. Um, especially since uh, they're mostly, they seem to be mostly going for Tang Dynasty or after, which is like for reference, which is about a thousand years ago. It's like Tang Dynasty to Ming Dynasty designs, which is about 
1,000 to like 1,500, 600, uh, that period of time. So it's a good six, 700 years. Uh, okay. They're going, and it's a good span of time to reference because they are some of the longer standing dynasties and they have, in terms of uh, historical dramas, if, unless you're talking about like, um, Han, uh, unless you're talking about the Free Kingdoms, like a lot of Chinese uh, people would be fairly familiar with those designs because in pop culture, those designs are typically represented more uh, than a lot of the older designs, unless you're talking about Free Kingdoms, which is like way older and a lot of people know about it. But like if you're talking about non Free Kingdom stuff, those, uh, those references would be pretty apparent to most people with a working knowledge of Chinese pop culture. Oh, awesome um what do you think about the shooting units so so cathay seems to have a big thing for rockets which oh, obviously seems very inspired by china being the the inventors of the fireworks um mm -hmm. and kind of like warhammerifying those to be weapons <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like ah instead of instead of fireworks we have shoulder mounted rocket launchers um those and... are actually not that far off from like historical chinese really? firearms yes um chinese firearms sort of developed in a different way than western firearms did for a good while they used a lot of explosives and like Love fire it. instead of like bullets um i am not 100 sure why i don't think anybody could 100 tell you why explosions uh, are cool they explosions are cool, are cool. They are cool. <laughs> there are lots of there are lots of historical um historical <laughs> instances of uh explosive chinese firearms uh, if you look back at like um, classical firearm manuals, like the Huolongqing, uh, you're going to find a lot of those. Like, for example, one of the earliest uh, firearms in Chinese history was the fire lance, which is basically a spear with like an explosive grenade launcher bit attached to the tip. Oh so my you, god! Like, explode it. <laughs> that like, sounds amazing. You know, when, when enemies charge you, you explode them in the face and then you stab them. Uh, and Rockets are very, uh, rockets uh, and explosive. Like they even had like landmines during like the Mongol invasions. Like they, uh, like Chinese, the Chinese used a lot of explosives. Um, Damn! All right. Yeah, and uh, if we take a look at the range units uh, shown in the Kafian trailer, they seem to be mostly inspired by Ming Dynasty, um, Ming Dynasty armor designs, which make a lot of sense because that was the Ming Dynasty did use a good amount of ranged and uh firearms and they did develop more into using like muskets and uh like bullet weapons as well so it does fit the aesthetic and uh, historical reference i believe yeah something i also noticed that i i think i personally really really appreciate uh i don't know how accurate it is but I actually mm -hmm. really like that they seem to have put a lot of detail in showing that Cathay has developed a different form of gunpowder yeah, shot technology. In that mm -hmm. in the, the West, if, for the Empire, they have like flintlock firearms. So they mm -hmm. have the ones where they pull the trigger and the little thing kicks back to create a spark and it fires. And, mm -hmm. and um, they reload differently. In Cathay, all the thing we've seen, it's like bolt action. Like we see them, we see them shooting. They have these super long-barreled guns. Like all of the black powder guns I've seen, uh, like the actual like bullet shooters are long are long rifles. 
oh, look at that. the Giselles? They yeah, have so, like the Giselles with... Yeah, they have Giselles, which, which does line up with the older lore, because we know the Skaven stole a substantial amount of their technology from Cathay. Um, like the, the Skaven Giselle is a design the Skaven took from somewhere in the East. So it seems they took yeah. that from Cathay. Um, and we also have seen the, um, the War Lanterns, um, which we'll talk about those in a minute, but there mm -hmm. are, uh, women up there that have guns and in the trailer, I'll show a clip here, uh, just a second. Oh, we didn't actually, didn't Giselles come from Araby? Um, they, maybe they, the older lore, but they might've, they might've trans transposed that i'm not sure all right the thing with that was i think old araby law they traded with inns which may have gotten it from cafe because you know things go missing it's vague yeah yeah so if y'all uh take a quick look at uh my stream here um the 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 clip that i have pulled up is uh of the cafe trailer and we have this we have this lady here in the back right who's about to fire one of these super duper duper long uh, barreled guns uh, from the um, the balloon and she fires and we actually see her do that uh, bolt action reload, which makes it actually substantially different from anything that uh, the Empire has, which I just I just think it's a really, really cool way. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's like the way Chinese firearms. There are. Work. There are historical examples of similar designs. Let me actually, um, we, the guys in the Koresh chat just sent me an example here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sending it to you right now. So, like, oh, there are, like, historical <laughs> examples of similar designs. Yeah. Yeah, look, Giselle's. <laughs> one second. It's in the, I the am getting. Chat. No, I mean, I mean, I'm getting spammed by another one of those sex bots again. Oh, yeah, oh, those are fine. Uh, that, so yeah, that's awesome. uh, the Ming Cha so the Ming Dynasty, like they had like uh, like they had like shields like that, uh, and like there were like weapon systems like that historically in Chinese history. So awesome. Um, uh, so uh, I guess that's a perfect jumping point to talk about the. I, I'm right now. I'm calling them Lantern War Balloons. I don't think that's going to be their official name, <laughs> but uh, I have no idea what to call it. Yeah. Um, those were very unexpected, at least for me. Uh, a very cool design, me but too. caught me off guard. Same. Uh, actually, let me... Okay, I did think of a flying unit for Cafe when I was doing my designs. Let me send my version to you now. Uh, my conception was more of a flying... Do you know uh, junks? Like Chinese junks? Mm -hmm. Like that's what the English... That's what they call the traditional Chinese sailboats. So, like, mine was basically like a flying junk barge thing. I mean, I did obviously take some inspiration from like the Thunder Barge, but yeah, it was basically a flying junk. Um, no the, flying ships until the dwarfs get one, please. Yeah, uh, no, uh, the dwarf, <laughs> the dwarf players would hit me. Yeah, so <laughs> I base my designs off like the um, Zhenghe, uh, like there were. If you guys know, there was like a Ming Dynasty admiral that like sailed like really far, like all the way to like Africa or something, with in like giant uh, ships. And I sort of took that whole design and made it into like a big airship. So, it, I mean, it yeah. looks great. That was my personal conception of that. Yes. Um, so yeah, the lanterns did take me off guard as well. Uh, do you like them? Hate them? 
I okay. It's culturally they do look appropriate, but as a concept artist, um, I do feel look. I feel like they look a bit fragile slash clumsy because they are heavily based off like traditional Chinese lanterns, right? Uh, Chinese, uh, they have we have these like um. Wait, are they coming down? Wait, let me check if I'm talking about the right type of lantern. Uh, so, okay. So, do you guys play uh, Free Kingdoms? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, do you guys know uh, Zhuge Liang, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, he was purported to invent, uh, like, flying lanterns, which are, you know, they, like, uh, they fly based off hot air, obviously, and they just, like, candles burning in them. So, I mean, they're not particularly complex, but, like, uh, China has, like, a long history of having, like, actual flying lanterns. But all these lanterns are built out of paper, and, like, sometimes they they use, like, bamboo sticks or, like, wood frames, but Mm. they are traditionally pretty fragile because they are built out of paper. So, to, to me, like, when I saw them, I was like... This is a cool design, but like when I saw them starting being used in the battle, right? I, at first, I when I saw them, I thought they were going to be like background, sort of like assets. And then I saw them being used up close in battle, and I was like, those look a bit too fragile to be in combat, don't they? Like if you just hit, like puncture it once, you, you probably would go down. So yeah. it looked cool. I do like them a lot, but like I just feel like they look a little bit clumsy and fragile which could be what they're going for that, to be I mean, presumably they're made out of like some fantasy paper that's tougher than steel or some nonsense <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah well the thing is you know in, in real life we have used like uh war balloons and zeppelins and stuff which to me make no sense whatsoever because i look at them and like why you know I i'll mean, just throw something at it and it'll break i mean they were using like what World War One when yeah, like, World there War wasn't reliable air support. So mm. I mean, like you didn't have as many planes, so they wouldn't go down as regular. Yeah, it's it, it is kind of funny to be like, ah, yes, we're going up against the most flying air superiority demonic race in existence. What are we using? Lanterns, also, <laughs> paper. Flame, they have flamers. <laughs> they literally have flamers. Yeah. So. It, 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 it'll be interesting to see kind of the maybe ho- ho- i'm curious if there is going to be any lore behind it or if they're just going to be like it's fancy shut up <laughs> yeah I, like they do look cool i mean we get they, that in lore though they look appropriate and they look cool it's just like uh they look a bit fragile that's true i mean put put yeah. put me in a room with uh anyone else and try and let me convince them that the Scourge Runner Chariot or the uh, Lothern Skycutter makes any sense, and it'd be a very similar yeah, discussion. Look, like, it's Warhammer; none of it makes sense. Yeah, it's like don't worry about it; just just shut up and have fun. Yeah, it does look cool. So, I mean, I have no real complaints. If it's in a game like that, I'm absolutely fine with it. it looks very cool. Uh, Nathan, Someone just mentioned in my chat there; it's like oh, it could just be magic warding, which yeah, it could be. be. I mean, Cathay is a it very is, is, are a magically superior empire. Like they're one of the they're yeah. up there with like the absolutely elves. Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, in terms of design, they look cool. I like them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, apart from what we talked about, no real complaints. Any questions, Nathan? Uh, no, so far no. 
Uh, do you have any thoughts on the lores from what little bits we know about them so far? So we know they're alchemists and astronomers, which seem <laughs> to be the like name of the lore of the lore of Yin and the lore of Yang casters. And it looks like right. I'm assuming it's the lore of Yin we see in the trailer, which is like the, the yeah. almost like calligraphy strokes that are made out of yes, darkness I... or metal or something. As what I would assume as well, because uh, I'm I'm sure you guys have like done a little bit of your own research. So yin and yang are the light and the dark, right? So yin is the dark, uh, and yang is the light. So if you're taking those as like magic uh, visuals, yeah, yin is probably the one that's gonna look dark and metallic. Yang is probably gonna be like all flashy and like explosive and glowy. Okay, fair enough. Um, and uh, how do you feel about the dragons? The the humans turning into dragons and how the dragons have turned out. We've seen two of them so far, the two legendary mm -hmm. lords. Um, are you pleased with their designs, uh, the iron dragon and the storm dragon? Yes. Um, okay. Well, obviously, in traditional Chinese folklore, dragons are, uh, they govern water. They're a water creature. So the fire dragon is like, like, if you're going from like a traditional perspective, it's like a little bit. Are you sure you you can do that? But you know, it is Warhammer, so it is like you have to make concessions for it. So, but apart from that, I think I I do quite like how they've gone for a blend between Eastern dragons and what dragons look like in Warhammer. Uh, I think they've struck a pretty good balance in making them having a Eastern look while still not going fully into like. The Chinese dragon thing with like whiskers and like m like five or like more than four legs and like they're like they've struck a good balance is what I'm saying. Um, it's I am interested to see how large the variation of Cafean dragons will actually be. Like I will we actually have dragons as units or are we only getting dragons as legendary lords? That's, I feel like that's a pretty good question because then we'll have to see like what the range of like, no, like so like normal dragons look like versus what the, the dragons descended from the dragon emperor look like. Uh, but in general, you can sort of see where, uh, let me find the concept art for uh, Miao Yi. Uh, concept art. Right. Fei. Yeah, so you can see that they're going for a more serpentine shape, right? Which is obviously a great element that they're taking from Chinese dragons. And they're, go uh, they're doing the whole floating thing instead of having like flapping wings like Western dragons. Uh, but their head, uh, their snout and head design is much more Western inspired than Chinese inspired, which I think is a necessary, um, sort of a necessary concession you would have to make. And they have lessened amount of like whiskers and manes. They do have them, but it's not as like prominent as in you would see in a traditional de uh, depiction of Chinese dragons. So I think it does strike a good balance between like Eastern and Western uh, aesthetics, uh, considering the context of it being in a Warhammer setting. Awesome. Um, and yeah. something I saw on Reddit that I, I was curious if you had an opinion on. So apparently in Chinese mythology, or at least at some point, there were there were like four big 
guardians or uh, creatures. Oh, uh, the auspicious beasts or whatever they're called. Yeah, uh, and there, there's a theory going around that the legendary lords of Cathay, or at least like the, the big dragons that we'll see in the game, are based on this because of the coloration of uh, Miao Ying and uh, Zhao Ming, or mm-hmm. in that they, they seem to line up with that. Right. So it's they're called the Si Xiang or Si Sen So, so like the four auspicious beasts or the four symbols. So um, they're basically uh, they have multiple cultural connotations, like a lot of things in Chinese folklore does. So basically, you know, like uh, like you guys know, they are four different beasts, and they have like the, they represent the four different directions. But they also have like other uh, cultural connotations, including the four seasons. Uh, and like they have like different temperaments and they have like different symbology behind them um, and different uh, and different elements. So like I said, the, there are five traditional Chinese elements. So each of them represent four elements and there is actually a fifth beast, which is sort of like, which, which is like the yellow dragon, which is like in the center of the four beasts that is sort of like, he makes things go round, right? So uh, each of them represent a different uh, Chinese uh, element as well. And I think that it would be, a, yeah, I like considering what we've seen so far, it does completely make sense that they would at least use the colors, I think, as sort of the symbology uh, to, uh, to symbolize each of the dragons if they go, do go for like four dragons in each direction. Um, and it does make sense if you look at it from a symbology uh, angle, because, for example, uh, Miao Ying uh, right now in the north is black, right? And uh, yeah. that and her direction would be the black tortoise. Um, and the the black tortoises, uh, uh, the theme around it uh, is that oh, it's like winter and it uh, it's abiding uh, and it's sort of like a protective, uh, long-living, uh, abiding sort of like symbol. And uh, yeah, like if you look at her role in terms of protecting Cafe, that does seem to suit her. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a good interpretation of how they might be theming each dragon if they do eventually um, look at all four different directions. Well, it's likely we will because uh, we've got the northern and the uh, western, and it just makes no sense not to add in an eventual southern and eastern. Ah, um, here is where um, some of the stuff we've talked about with my other uh, collaborators on the Koresh project come into play. So we were discussing like what poss- uh, what they could do of the other directions. So, but uh, what we were thinking was that the green dragon. The green dragon being in the east uh, would be likely to uh, come into play if they ever do a Nippon, or if they have like high elf, uh, high elf or dark elves coming from the east uh, over the sea, or dealing with they, a threat. Yeah, dealing with like overseas threats, or they could have the east dragon be uh, naval focused and going overseas to invade other areas of the world. So like in that Ooh. way you could get like Cafean uh expeditions to Lustria and that would be pretty interesting. Not Lustria, <laughs> not Lustria. <laughs> Suggest Lustria. anything else. You know, <laughs> throw Cafe into Lustria Bowl. Uh, yeah. well uh, when you're when you're finished I have a funny story about that. 
Oh, sure. Um, and we were saying that uh, because we work on Koresh, if they uh, want to put a self-dragon, that would probably be what if Koresh wasn't in there, that would probably be a pretty safe area because there aren't any, as we know, like it would probably just be like chaos into the self if we're talking about uh, like the self and chaos wastes. But if we put Koresh in there, there would be a lot more stuff to play around with if you have a self and dragging campaign. And that would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. like, in terms of like what we could see eventually, if we do see the other dragons, there it does open up possibilities for a lot more other um, factions that could be introduced to introduce like more diverse gameplay than just like what we've already seen before. So, um, fun the funny story I wanted to mention is that actually, if you go back to fifth edition. There was an incident where Cathay. Oh, when it got blown to. Uh, yeah, yeah they, got they, blown they had a really course. bad time in Lustria. Yeah. <laughs> they, they yeah. Were... Weren't they originally going for the Southlands? And yeah, they were. They so it, it was when Cathay discovered that the world was. Uh, they knew, Cathay knew the world was round. They did not mm -hmm. know that there was another set of continents between them and the Southlands. They hadn't discovered mm -hmm. Lustria yet because they just thought they were the same. So they're like, oh, jungles with dinosaurs. So, which, you know, understandable. <laughs> so, uh, when you can't see from space. So, the Emperor sent an invasion to the west and an invasion to the east to land on both sides of the Southlands so they could meet in the center and conquer uh, the continent. But, of course, the invasion that went to um, the Southlands got utterly, uh, utterly obliterated because the Slons saw them coming and were like, hurricane. Um, <laughs> and the... Um, the um the force that went to Lustria made it to Lustria, but they were on a continent and they were fighting their way towards the center to meet up with their allies who of course weren't there. And they realized yeah, during the invasion it was a different continent. They were like, ah oh, shit. <laughs> One guy made it home. Well, One guy. Yeah, I, I heard that guy is a badass. <laughs> yeah, he is. He uh he, the Emperor was so pleased with him, I believe he served uh the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, uh I I probably won't pronounce it right, but it was Yin Tuan uh, was the guy who survived. Let me look. Let me look that up. I haven't. I mean, they probably don't have like an actual Chinese characters for it, so I guess. Oh, Games Workshop, no, <laughs> no, no, not back then. They actually, they actually did a pretty good job translating like uh, the names they have for like the Chaos Gods and the the Cafe and Dragon characters that they have so far into Chinese, though. Not bad. Oh, yeah. Do, do, their, do their names, like, correlate to any historical figure? Do they mean something special? The the legendary uh, they, they do mean something. They, well, okay. They don't correlate to historical figures, but they do make sense for who they are. Uh, let me look up. Wait. Uh, let me check what they... So, number one, uh, who you... Uh, like, Miao Ying uh, is... What it translates to is like mystical slash uh, miraculous shadow. So Ooh. it does fit her look. Uh, it and then, wait, wait, you're telling me it doesn't translate to, to MILF? You're <laughs> Come on. Oh, <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to Sorry. It's a stupid joke. I'm I, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Zhao Ming literally means like shining bright. Like. So oh, it fits that. with him being a fire dragon. So like that's not a bad interpretation of the Chinese character. Awesome, man! I'm, I'm uh, so curious about his madness. I really hope that he's. I like, really like the look of the character. I really want him to be a little unhinged because that just sounds oh, like yeah. a lot of fun. No, and 
and his character design looks like it would play pretty well if he was unhinged. Like, have you seen those eyebrows? He's pretty crazy. Well, <laughs> yeah. not just that, right? Like, because obviously we know in law that we know that we've got like uh, Cafe has Jade and stuff, but he's got that gem on his forehead. And I'm just thinking, oh, is that Warpstone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, he's got like Jade. That would be hilarious if he thought the Warpstone was Jade and just had this like oh, no. He just had this like mind poisoning gem right there. Um oh, wow. that would be terrible, Ooh. but also hilarious. When, it would explain a lot. Um It would. Uh and it would also make him even a bigger badass that like it's only kinda driving him insane instead of just totally off the deep end. I mean he is a descendant of the Dragon Emperor. Mm. He, uh and um but do they know what War uh yeah there's no way Cathay does not know what Warpstone is. Cathay has been around a long time. Oh, um, that's they've, uh, deal, they've they dealt with Skaven before. Yeah, they they have. Um Cathay has boogied with them. I will say I I'm glad uh well uh I'm going I'm going to keep us pressing forward. So, uh based on things we talked about, um uh, one thing is I with your mention of the yellow dragon it makes me really think and kind of hope that the the celestial dragon emperor himself will be either yellow or gold. I presume. Honestly, probably. Because if you look at... So basically, go dragons were the symbol of the Emperor and the Imperial family. Like Okay, only, so that seems like a given. Okay. Yeah, only the Emperor was allowed to use like the symbol of the dragon and the golden dragon specific. Yeah. So do y'all do y'all think that the other two dragons, presumably presuming they're there and alive? will be do y'all think they'll be like the dlc characters or do you think they're gonna like have them there as like regular characters that you can confederate and then have the dlc because like we know everybody and their mother wants the monkey king a lot of people really want the monkey king yeah Um, definitely but he's probably not a guardian of the the east or south he's probably gonna be causing a ruckus because that's his whole thing (laughs) um probably so do, do y'all have any thoughts on how they might handle the other two cardinal directions? Because um, I'm, I'm almost thinking they'll be like they'll be like unique yes. models, but not legendary lords. That is also what I'm leaning towards, because if you keep releasing legendary lords, I mean, everybody loves dragons and hot dragons, obviously, but... Um, if you just keep releasing more dragons as the DLC characters for Cafe, it could get stale for a good amount of people. Personally, I am leaning towards them being like like unique models, but not necessarily playable legendary lords. And then them trying to go for like a more diverse themes in terms of Cafe and characters for the DLC characters that you have to pay for. I don't know, man, because the, the thing is, the dragons are cool. And people are going to want them anyway. Yes. Uh, cool I, factor is a big thing. Yeah, I will argue, though, bears were cool, too. <laughs> and a lot of people feel they jumped the sharks with the bears. No, yeah, yeah. but that's because they just really milked it. But keep in mind that, like, uh, say, for example, as, uh, for the Empire, many of us just want every single elect account. And let's be honest, there's nothing really too special about, like, the grand majority of them. Yeah. yeah, but like, what I mean, are your other true. options, right? Like, your other I mean, options are like then, wizard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're the empire. I mean, like, cafe is like way more high magic than the empire, so you can go more wild with cafe. Yeah, I, I think for me, like, I really hope cafe gets at least one legendary lord who is a human, like just a guy uh, who has mm-hmm. like a really interesting um, 
position just to mm. give them that option. And then, right. of course, you've got the monkey king. you got to get the monkey so we king. Were, so over in the Koresh group, we were discussing this as well earlier. And we had a few ideas for different uh, legendary lords that you could do with based off Chinese mythology and Chinese history. And uh, one idea that I personally came up with and that I personally like would be, um, so we haven't, we have seen mentions of celestial dragon monks, uh, but we have not seen them revealed yet. So if we don't get them on release, personally, I think it could be cool because obviously the dragon emperor won't be playable. But then that means that the middle of Cafe would not technically have a playable faction if we don't have a legendary lord in there. So my idea for that uh, was that you could have a, a abbot of the uh, uh, celestial dragon monks, right? Sort of like do like a Shaolin sort of like uh, military or order of monks, and then you have like their abbot heading up like the uh, order of monks and like maybe overseeing like the central cafe and security or whatever for like the dragon. Uh, in the name of the dragon emperor and he could be in the middle uh, as a normal human but also having power as like a disciple of the dragon that would be that super be. cool so, an administrator yeah, and, in a sense yeah uh administrator uh and religious sort uh you know like religious yeah but leader, also like guess, literally spiritual. like the kung fu master <laughs> yes exactly or, or shaolin <laughs> And we can that allows uh, Games Workshop and uh, uh, CA to bring in a lot of like the kung fu and monk stuff that could be really fun. For example, uh, the Shaolin Temple has like these like mythological like uh, uh, fighters. Like the eighteen bronze men are like a cultural like uh, cultural thing uh, that is associated with the Shaolin Temple, and it could be super cool to have like bronze monk warriors uh, fighting for the temple. That actually sounds really cool brass, yeah, I'm, I'm brass it's not bronze sorry my bad I, i'm i'm very excited for because we we have to get the like the celestial dragon mucks at some point because they're like one of the only mm -hmm. things that games workshop was good about actually establishing from cathay um and uh and they're kung fu monks who doesn't want kung fu yeah we gotta have kung fu and uh and then uh Just... hopefully the monkey king will show up with like i i, I don't know much about like what bestial creatures exist in chinese mythology i'm sure there are many 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 but there's um, a lot i uh, the the sung wukong i i am assuming they would just call him sung wukong because some characters in fantasy have that direct might... rips of names i mean yes but that is also a little obvious i i mean do you think they should spice it up because like for kostaltin kostaltin is literally just rasputin they just changed yeah. a few letters but they kept uh, i don't know the word for it but like the way a word sounds when you pronounce it, they kept it similar right, no, enough I, to Rasputin that it's identifiable. I mean, yeah, you immediately see it. It's like, oh, it's Rasputin. Obviously, everybody knows it. But like, you know, Sun Wukong is literally his name. I mean, they must mix it up a little. I mean, I am okay with it either way, personally. But uh, I there's... would uh, go for it. <laughs> Someone just the... said, "Ah, oh, one Song Kong." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's the whole thing with uh, Games Workshop when it came to anything for Warhammer Fantasy. It's just they're just they're not uh, creative. They're not very creative. Look, it's literally called Cafe. I'm gonna point out like Hong Kong's uh, like whenever I try to search for like Cafe and stuff, like Hong Kong's uh, biggest air uh, airline company is called Cafe Pacific. So <laughs> yeah, well, come on, and Nippon I... is the Japan equivalent. Like Japan. they really tried with that one. Oh yeah, and Araby and Ind. Yeah, I, I wonder where those are. 
Yeah. It's the uh, case that it was actually designed originally to be a historical game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're, they're, like sometimes they tried, you know, and sometimes not so much. But uh, like, but it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, uh, Sun Wukong because you're, you're they 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 don't tend to do an exact one to one, you know, where it's no. like ah, it's not Martin Luther, it's Luther Huss. It's not uh, Christopher Columbus. It's Marco Colombo. Colombo. <laughs> like yeah, it's so it's recognizable, it but it's a little different. But Colombo is actually hand, the real name, not Columbus. Yeah, but on the other hand, if you just go like the Monkey King, it is sort of vague enough that you could get away without changing much as like a sort of a title instead of like a direct name. True. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of Julius Caesar, we got Curious Geezer, which was awful. <laughs> that was so bad. Oh no, I think it's wonderful. Um, but uh, um, okay, great. Um, is there anything else we haven't really talked about with Cathay? Do you, uh, do you keep want to keep talking about like uh, potential other legendary lords? Because we have yes, like yes, other please. ideas. Yes, please. If well. you have any thoughts on that, so, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. So, uh, like we mentioned, so uh, like I mentioned, there was like that. Uh, Ming Dynasty admiral that sailed all the way across the world, uh, called uh, Zheng He, uh, and he, that could make for a very interesting sort of like naval, um, uh, naval-based uh, uh, expedition to the Southlands instead of Lustria from like the other way around. So like because uh, historically he went like across uh, down the across the coastline of like Asia all the way like just like following the coastline all the way o- over to Africa. So like he would probably be going to the Southlands instead of Lustria. So if you want to have like overseas cafe and uh, factions, that could definitely be an interesting thing to go for. So like sort of like that would emissary, be super cool. like sort of like emissary trying to like br- uh, bring gifts and like make diplomatic connections with like the people in the Southlands. Well, probably t- the Tomb King, honestly, and Araby if they ever get make it in something they like better. that. They better yeah. leave. Uh, <laughs> leave. <laughs> um so yeah that could definitely be an interesting start position for a uh, cafe lord um we've got, we've got we've got uh admiral that travels the world we've got mm-hmm. the 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 leader the dra- of the, the monks, monks and we've the got monks. the monkey king so far monkey king so far uh another idea we have is uh do you know about the china's pirate queen I have heard of her. I she yeah. uh, there was she got really popular in the West, in America. There was a thing that happened that she got super popular. Yeah, it's like the, the internet, the internet thing. Uh, yeah, memes and whatever. So, uh, yeah, like having like a pirate queen faction could also potentially be really fun. Uh, so like just having like marauding across the coastlines, fighting like various elves. Like if Nippon makes it in, then they could also invade Nippon. You know, that could be fun. She actually could make a really good opponent if we ever got Sea Lord Iceland, of like this Cathayan ah. pirate queen going up against the admiral of the the High Elf fleet, uh, the the Sea Lord, because those two would have beef. They would have big beef <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting to play with. Um, another idea that we have are the vampires. So in like they've hinted so. They've hinted that like there are there is like like there's like old non-canon lore about like jade vampires and then there's like rumors that like the one of the I forget exactly which but there was like a, one of the vampires from uh, so the... yeah one of one of the original vampires there were seven um 
wait, one, two, three. Yeah, there were seven. One of the original vampires did go to Cathay. That's 100% mm-hmm. canon. We don't know, and a lot of people call them the Jade Vampires. I don't think that's their official name, but that's kind of the cultural, or that's the community name for them. I designed them as Jade Vampires, and Ming designed them as Jade Vampires. You're you're probably, you're probably, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure y'all's art on Reddit is why everybody calls them that now. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a cool name, let's be real. It is, it is a cool name. Yeah. Watch them never get added in for Helmand Ghost 2. Yeah, uh, look, it'll be way better than Helmut Gorst. Helmut Helmut Gorst, except for he's he's on a like a that he's he's got like zombie oxen pulling his corpse cart instead of regular zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That's his upgrade. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, so the you could do a lot of jade vampires because like in Chinese mythology slash folklore, um. Vampires are not like vampires as like Westerners know them. They suck your chi, so like they directly suck your energy. Mm. Uh instead of like they suck your life force instead of blood. I mean, they don't Okay, so we don't have like vampires as in like Western vampires. Like like what we uh modern conceive as like Chinese vampires were originally sort of like hopping zombies. And they were like just like uh, bodies of like this disease that could not uh, that could not be buried, uh, and then they hired like sorcerers to hop like the corpses back home, and then so they were like sort of like animated undead, and then over time in popular culture with like uh, conceptions of like Western vampires filtering in, they sort of took that undead idea and then built them into like Chinese vampires that would suck your energy instead of your blood. So like you could do like a whole different sort of like style, uh, and aesthetic with them uh, relative to like what we see from like the vampire counts yeah i actually i actually would love them as um like a really unique expansion to the vampire counts um Mm -hmm. like that could make for a really fun addition uh but i mean they could easily fit in with either side uh but i would i would be shocked not to see them make some sort of appearance eventually like i could see them just being like you start up a Cathay campaign and one of the minor factions you have to deal with is just a group of vampire counts. <laughs> but uh, it'll, it'll, be, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, 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 for sure. And in terms of, like, other cultures that probably won't get, like, proper representation in Warhammer, we were also thinking, like, maybe you could do something with, like, either Korean-themed units or, like, the Nanman-themed units, that kind of thing. That could be interesting but like there's no real lore basis for that it's just like oh yeah if you wanted to go for more diversity those were aesthetics that you could go down the path of um otherwise another personal idea that i personally have that i thought would be interesting would be like a bandit lord right um you guys probably don't know much about the four chinese classics so uh the four Chinese cl- uh, literary classics, uh, two of them you guys will probably know of. The two of them are the uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms and Journey to the West. And that's where you get the Monkey King from. And that's mm-hmm. where you get the Three Kingdoms from. Um, one of the other uh, literary classics is called Water Margin, in, which sounds sort of weird. I don't know why they... Uh, I have no idea why it's translated as Water Margin. Uh, in, in Chinese, it's called Sui Hu Zuan. But basically, it's about... So the concept of the story is that um, they accidentally, uh, uh, in a failed uh, religious ceremony, they accidentally released like 108 like demonic souls into like the mortal realm. And then these souls like started inhabiting people. And then eventually 
those souls like banded together to become like a bandit uh, kingdom. And then like each of them were like heroes and they have their own stories and journeys. And then like they do like heroic deeds and lots of interesting things. And I thought that would be actually a really interesting faction to explore in a Total War format. So you could have like a bandit kingdom and with a heavy focus on heroes and legendary heroes. And so you could um so you could play into like sort of like the wuxia. Wait, do you guys know what wuxia wuxia is? No. No. So have you guys seen like um I mean you guys have seen like uh uh hit crouching tiger hidden dragon, right? Wait, oh Chang Long. Uh yeah, hidden dragon, yeah. Yes. You guys have seen that, right? So basically no, there's it's a great yeah, movie, so you should watch it. It's very famous. It's a great movie. Please watch it, it's so good. Um uh, so basically, there's an entire genre of like Chinese historical fantasy that are based off these like folklore heroes. And a really big uh, precept of this uh, genre of fant- uh, Chinese historical fantasy is that there is a concept called the Jianghu, which is sort of like an underground uh, slash like it's like a martial arts underground world within China that like oh like all these people have their reputations and then they have like. The, so like there's different schools of martial arts have like a uh, have like different reputations and masters and they have like yeah they have their uh, relationships and rivalries and everything and so like it's like sort of like underground element to the to w- the world basically uh, to society and it would be an interesting concept uh, if you applied this to total war and sort of like explored that as like recruiting different heroes from across cafe and across the world to join your faction as like a bandit lord and like you could like sort of like expand and like fight like authorities and try to take over it i just think that would be really interesting as a personal like my personal i uh, i personally i think that'd be super cool that sounds a lot like dogs of war though in a sense well except for their individuals as a like units yeah. yeah. So it would be like it would be kind of like the Dogs of War, but instead it's like it's all these different famous heroes different you're trying units. to acquire, yeah. as opposed yeah. to like units that represent different cultures and different ideas. So like yeah. similar I... but different enough. <laughs> yeah, different enough. Well, that's awesome. Like so, yeah. I, I really love that. Like Cathay just has so much cool shit they can draw upon. It's not... yeah, yeah. Someone, oh, yeah. someone in chat said kind of like a Marcus Wolfhart campaign, but. Probably <laughs> yes. less less like laser focused development on the characters and more just a lot more characters would be like, to go after. And in my mind, it would be like you would also have to mix in some like uh, relationship mechanics with like different schools of like martial artists or like other bandits within like the underground. It's like you have maybe mix in some like the high elf like influence stuff, and you you can mix in like different elements into that to like spice it up a little bit more. Hmm. And those are some awesome ideas. I would genuinely love to like the only thing I feel like they haven't shown off that I need are is like a lot more of the kung fu stuff with the uh mm-hmm. with the dragon monks and stuff and I I I got to have a monkey king at some point. But after that like go go crazy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the monkey I'm pretty sure the monkey king is like 100% confirmed to eventually come down. Like that's that's definitely Come. yeah especially no especially just because we know he exists in the warhammer universe yeah, exactly though i have i heavily suspect that much like a lot of cathay uh when he does come out his lore will probably be substantially different than his old version uh his old version because... he was he was much more of like a genuine villain uh than... and he was dealing with like skaven and... yeah he, he was like There's... a skaven ally um, which probably I, mean, is not... I see no problem with that, but you know, <laughs> like if, if there's one thing I'm really glad they did not do 
my biggest fear with Cathay was that they were going to keep them closer to their older lore, which was that mm-hmm. Cathay's older lore was much more of like, it was a human kingdom, but it had a lot of what are considered evil races running, like pulling a lot of strings in the background. So like, the, like Zinch was basically like a acknowledged part of the culture. Like Zinch had cabals in Cathay that like wielded a lot of authority and power. And they were just like, it was almost like you couldn't tell if Cathay was a Zinchian empire or if they were an order empire that just fought with chaos. But like Zinch was like heavily involved. There was a lot of Skaven stuff in there. I am glad that they kind of pulled back from that and have allowed Cathay to just be a, a human and dragon nation that is an order faction. Like they are, they are extremely opposed to Zinch as opposed to pawns and the, the scheme of things. <clears throat> yeah, I am glad that happened as well. Like I know some it... people wanted it. Like there I I knew quite a few people that wanted like a Zinchian character um as part of Cathay and I'm really glad we did not go that route. See, yeah, me too. I like the idea of having a um because they did mention a former Zinchian Cathayan character in when they first started hinting towards Cathay. did. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of having that because that means that you can have an evil character. Like we have had an evil character for the Empire. We have had an, well, multiple evil characters for Bretonia because fuck knows what the hell is happening in there. <laughs> Bretonia has problems. But like, I like the idea of that because then you have the, the contrast of it. Because um, if it's anything that is very, very obvious in Warhammer, it's when the human faction is introduced. We're still human, and we're very susceptible to corruption. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I'm totally fine with if you're playing a Cathay campaign. Like, you get events where, like, hey, a Zinchian cult's been discovered, and you've got to, like, and, like an army pops up, and you've got to go kill them. Or, I mean, like, that's just how chaos works. So yeah, that's just how chaos have. works. The, the thing I did not want was, like, one of your big playable legendary lords is a genuine Zinchian cultist. Uh, I, I that is the like thing I did not want. Like, if, if you're going to have, like, a Zinchian mortal, then it should be a famous Zinch character who is, you know, invading or doing shenanigans elsewhere. It should not be a Cathay character who is nope. also a Zinch villain. Like if you if we want if we want like a like an Archon the Black type Cathayan character so like a Cathayan character who is not necessarily sympathetic to Cathay but uses a lot of the same units and all that stuff I think we'd have a much easier time with like the Pirate Queen or a Bandit King or even like the Monkey King the Monkey King is typically a very bombastic individual who's not necessarily the most reliable ally seeing as I think in the original story they had to force him to cooperate with that thing he wears. <laughs> So well, like I, I don't know, yeah. like I, I'd see the Monkey King as kind of like a weird uh, anti-hero. Neutral. Yeah, yeah, like very neutral in a sense. Like well, he starts out as absolute chaotic neutral, right? He does basically whatever the hell he wants, regardless of what heaven or mortals want. Mm-hmm. And then Buddha saddles him with like a Buddhist master and basically tries to teach him morals. And at the end of the story, he learns to be a better version of himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see them repeat that dynamic, but it's the Celestial Dragon Emperor having to deal with Sun Wukong. Because I think there could actually be some really funny shit happening. Like, Not even a Jade Emperor could stop the Monkey King in his in that st- in Journey to the West. Like, I I really hope Sun Wukong is just, like, doesn't have, like, like, obviously he would probably have some cool abilities for illusions and stuff, because I believe he was really big into illusion type. Like, uh, we would call uh, it magic. Uh, 
But have you guys um have you guys seen the trailers for Black Myth Wukong? No. I will send it to you later, but basically there's like a Chinese indie studio. They're making like a really, really good looking uh game based on the Monkey King uh, and Journey to the West. And it looks like ab- it looks absolutely amazing. Like even link from it. a triple A perspective, link it looks great. I'll I'll link it to you in a bit. But um so part of the mechanic in that game that they've showed off is that um so if I'm remembering right, uh, Sun Wukong has bosses or piano or something like that. He like he has like a ton of transformations. I don't remember exactly how many transformations, but he can shape shift like a ton. Like he has like a multiple forms and he can turn himself big and small and he can turn to different objects or creatures. So he is like a full like a full blown shapeshifter. So so it's not like he so it's not so it's not that he like uses magic. He's not like a wizard per se, but he can he can change his yeah. body, well, body like, and like I shapeshift. S- like I said, Chinese magic is more about inner energy than mm-hmm. like casting spells. So in that in, in the Chinese magic sense, he is magic. I mean, he does a lot of like su, which are <clears throat> which I guess like the closest translation would be spells. So like he has like. <clears throat> different like abilities like for example he can like pull his hairs and turn them into clones of him and that's where naruto gets what it. <laughs> yeah. what yeah. yeah that's where naruto gets like his clone jutsu whatever thing i haven't seen naruto but Dude, yeah i know oh, he God, can the, make clones of himself the monkey and King that's where like he would just be badass as hell like i don't know if he yeah. i don't think he would be a wizard character but just a com- like a heavy combat character that's just a bunch of crazy abilities oh definitely but um, but uh, I think uh, we're actually like struggling on time. So let's actually go ahead and move on. Uh, as sure. much as I would love to just keep going on this, because this is uh, this is a blast. Uh, Nathan, do you have any final questions or things about Cathay? Anything? Someone mentioned something here, which could be kind of interesting, and uh, it's disappeared. Hmm, let me just scroll up. Carry on, whilst I tried because uh, it was actually kind of interesting. Okay, um, so while he's looking that up, uh, Ryoyu, why don't you talk to us about what you've been working on? Like, uh, uh, most people listening are probably familiar with your work on Reddit, um, right. if not other places. But um, you've been really, you and your team have been really, really busy in Warhammer, um, creating a lot of ideas. And we uh, love to kind of like give you just a spotlight here to talk about that. And sure. like where people can find it, what kind of stuff you're working on, what's been the process, right. how it's all going. Let me get you our main lore page. So <clears throat> to give a quick introduction, basically <clears throat> our team, we have uh, four guys. We have me and Ming, uh, Furious Ming, as uh, concept artists. And then we have our two lore writers. And they are, and basically we, it's a collaborative project in which we're designing the Hinterlands of Koresh as a full-fledged faction and we are writing lore and we are creating concept art so we have like entire lore articles and blurbs which are like sort of like written like uh, army book uh, introductions and we have concept art of those units and characters which are designed uh, which are drawn in the style of uh, creative assemblies total war concept art for warhammer uh, let me link you to our main lore page. So we set up a world anvil 
with all our released art and uh, lore articles where you can go to find all the stuff we've released and you can see like we have like origins and background of Koresh and we have like an army list of like uh, where you can see all the currently released stuff that we have and we put out new lore and uh, we put out new lore and designs every couple weeks uh, on average like if we get busy sometimes there are delays uh, but Typically, we aim for every two weeks. Actually, we literally just released a new article today, uh, two and a half hours ago, on the Total War Reddit. And our new post today should be the spec. Spec? Uh, I don't. I'll have to ask our lore guys how to pronounce that, but uh, it should be the spec uh, prowler, which are like uh, primordial shadow spirits slash abominations that fuck, uh, that like um, stalk and kill people and they can teleport and they're terrifying um, monsters based off like um, traditional Southeast Asian shadow puppets. I actually have a puppet somewhere, but I have no idea where it is. Um, <laughs> they do look pretty terrifying. Yep. Well, I mean, if you show them in the right light, they are absolutely terrifying. But they are also very intricate and very beautiful. I think Furious Ming did a great work, a uh, great job, um, getting that aesthetic in there. So, to would you like me to give like a brief overview of what our conception of Koresh would be like? Sure, if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. So basically, um, so as briefly mentioned every once in a while in Warhammer lore, uh, Koresh has snakemen, right? So we basically took that concept and rolled with it. Uh, so in our lore, the, uh, the Naga and Snakemen of Koresh are older creations of the Old Ones. So they were made after, I believe, after the Lizardmen as uh, another uh, supplemental uh, race to help uh, uh, to like assist them in their scientific and uh, experimental uh, endeavors. And But the Old Ones focus very, uh, like, in lore, the old ones focused a lot on the lizardmen as the caretakers and protectors and like uh, servants, right? So uh, the snakemen and naga essentially felt uh, neglected, uh, ne neglected and forgotten by the old ones. So they grew resentful, and basically that sort of twisted them into these like monsters that uh, have like a first for scientific knowledge and like uh like promoting their own well-being before uh, all others because they they didn't get attention that they wanted so now they're gonna take over and they're now they're evil um and in our lore basically um the they uh when the great chaos invasion right before the great chaos invasion the snake men uh, revolted and actually killed the slan and lizard men within koresh and that's how you get the lost city of this uh, lost city of the Slan right smack in the middle of Koresh because they killed all the Slan there and then they took it over for their own and used it as a capital city and they uh, wanted to wage war against all the Lizardmen. And right before the Chaos Invasion star uh, started, the Lizardmen were mustering the armies in order to invade Koresh and take, back, uh, take it back for the Old Ones. But unfortunately, the Chaos Great Chaos Invasion happened and it screwed everything up. And basically the Lizard men were really busy dealing with demons, so the uh, 
meanwhile, the uh, the Naga and the Snake Men uh, were left to deal with sort of like their own civilization and own culture, uh, while like all the insanity that Chaos is bringing happened around them, and it, and they made like pacts with like the Chaos Gods. While they didn't pledge themselves to Chaos Gods, uh, they made pacts with demons and like they delved into like dark magic and started experimenting on mortals and doing twisted uh, uh, experiments and magic in order to like. Uh, both to survive and to like ele- elevate their position and power, and basically that's where our naga come from, right? So uh, oh, in the current uh, uh, in the like our current lore, the they've become these twisted uh, monsters that basically treat all other races like cattle and fodder for them uh, as experiments or slaves, and they are heavily focused on like. Uh, recreate uh, on uh, so y- each different um, sect of Naga have like their great question that they, uh, the great ex- uh, they have like diff- instead of like the great plan that the lizardmen have to uncover they have the great experiment but none of the sects can agree on what the great experiment is so they all have like their own ideas of what they want to do and how they want to research and develop uh, their um, their cultures and their technology and their magic they have an evil and so that's how you can get like differing uh factions and differing uh uh ethos in the different uh naga factions and they're basically evil Ooh. slave experimenters now and I, we think that's a really fun thing to do yeah i i've uh, been... lost lost city of the old ones not the lost city of slan sorry my bad you're all good uh i i've been yeah. uh i've been showing off the the all of the designs and stuff as we've been working or uh, listening to you and i i really really love the designs um like there there's just so much cool stuff to look at and um y- y'all have taken a really interesting direction with it um there there's there's i almost want to describe them as something that i thought was really um clever about the way y'all decided to go with it is they almost they 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 share a lot of similarities with the chaos dwarfs but they come off very much as a a more um biological and like mutating the natural world and yes, like that is the natural world as opposed to like mechanics and yeah. industry like the chaos dwarfs do yes that's a very heavy theme with them basically they like i said they see everything in the world as like their playthings so they want to twist what the old ones left and make it their own Ooh. through like vile uh, science and like dark magics and just like <laughs> twist whatever oh they God. see in the natural world into fitting into their vision and to serve their purposes uh man, I would not want to fight the higher specs, my lord. No, <laughs> that is nasty. No, like literally, like I, I believe in the Lord that they can drive people insane, like just by like looking or being near them. Ah, they've got they've got Jabber's life condition. <laughs> yes. Uh, also they uh they can live basically indefinitely, and the older they are, the larger they are. So like elder higher specs are like the size of like giants. Hmm amazing so very unpleasant well thank you very much uh for sharing this with us i will make sure that this along with all of your other is there any other projects you've been working on outside of uh, koresh uh are you asking about my personal projects i am uh i'm working on a few things uh i mean 
if you guys any of any of you guys know my Warhammer 40k work, I am currently writing up the scripts and developing the next season of Big Brothers. So I hoping... love I love that series. It is so uh, damn funny. Yeah, I'm hoping to bring the uh we should be airing the next season in a month or two. Yeah, so before the year ends, we will start airing the next season. Uh other from that, I have like a few personal projects. Um I have like my own setting that I'm working on. Uh that's like I'm playing with like fantasy tropes and uh it's like I'm also writing my D&D campaign in it, so I'm basically world building as I uh DM for oh, my friends. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I basically took like a bunch of like the D&D races and then it's like switched them around and played with them. It's like, for example, like I have uh, instead of Dragonborn, I have like Maori lizard people and they hunt uh, and uh, and then they do like tattoos on their scales and they hunt monsters. And then my dwarves are like themed uh, Chinese uh, and Tibetan. And then like they have like uh, and and they have like terracotta golems because of course they do and then like i have like uh egyptian elves uh with like giant flying uh uh, uh cities and it, it, i'm basically messing badass, with, like, sci-fi and fantasy tropes and i'm hoping to do a bunch of like character designs for that later i'm working on like some like 3d environment designs right now uh apart from that you know a lot of like a lot of general things i have like oh, i always have so many settings and world building projects going on at once it's sort of hard to cover them all well awesome sounds like you're staying busy yeah i mean while i apply for studios better work on my portfolio well, why not yeah 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 i man i'm so excited for the next season of big brothers i'm so glad that's coming up uh, i know i yeah, know they every... probably wouldn't let you do it but i'm i'm still i'm still i'm still in my in my my fan fiction in my head kari becomes the first female space marine like <laughs> she's such a badass <laughs> I, dude i have ideas and plans for subsequent series regarding terry so we will see where that goes and if they will approve my ideas i hope they do it's awesome um all right so uh nathan did you find that thing you were looking for actually not no uh i had like an attack of more sex bots so unfortunately i had to deal with that <laughs> you're just it's 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 just your natural musk dude they just can't help resist it it's the sonashi uh, charm it's the sonashi charm they knew i was painting up a sonashi lord they know about the tattoo <laughs> All right, and uh, so the last thing uh, to talk about today, which um, I, we're just sort of going to announce it. We're not going to get super duper in depth with it because I haven't really, unfortunately, I haven't had the time to dive into it. I might speak more about it next week. Is that for those unaware, um, the developers behind um, Warhammer Online Return of Reckoning, which is the uh, private server for uh, Warhammer Online, have actually released their first like massive addition to the game which is that Karazakarak the capital city of the dwarfs and Karak Eight Peaks which is the uh, capital and staging ground for the greenskins in that in the Warhammer Online timeline are in the game they have they've officially been added and you can actually go to those places explore them visit them uh to my understanding there's like a lot of interesting things to do um they just uh, released it yesterday. So this is super new information, but 
If you have not uh, downloaded that game and you're not playing it, I don't know what you're doing with your time, uh, but you're spending it poorly. <laughs> you should go check it out. Um, there are instructions. Uh, they, they have a YouTube video up. If you go uh, Google the Return of Reckoning YouTube channel, it's their most recent video um, oh. that you can watch and see all that stuff. But um, it's, 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 very, it's very, very, very exciting news, and that's a massive accomplishment for them um to to that those cities were things that were promised to us by the original devs um and as we got closer to release they realized they couldn't do it uh, because there was supposed to be a capital city for every single race not just the empire and chaos uh and all we got was empire and chaos <laughs> so um they uh they have finished that great work and super duper proud of them and major uh accolades to them for accomplishing that and i can't wait to check it out myself this week uh, especially because tomorrow is monday so i've got i've got dungeons uh tomorrow but um that is going to be it for us here at lord Pierce today we are hilariously oh, over time i just remembered one thing uh sure. I forgot to mention, uh, in terms of personal projects, I'm actually going to do some cafe and concept uh, art as well, uh, more, uh, going back to it to do like environments. And I'm looking at, uh, I want to do like uh, art of the celestial city oh, floating dude. up. I can't yeah. wait to see that. Um, oh, so that's actually a good segue into closing up. Where can people find you? If, if people are like, holy shit, this real you guy's awesome and I want to just follow all his work for the rest of time, which they should. Mm -hmm. Where where is where should they look? I am under pretty much all major social media. I am under Royu Art. Uh, so like I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, on I'm on Facebook, I'm on Tumblr. Uh, I also have a Reddit, which is my it has an older username, so it's like insanity. But like it is an older username, and but you can probably see my work on the Total War subreddit. But it'll probably be easier to follow me on my other social media. Um, I also have my portfolio site at chenroyu.com, which is C-H-E-N-R-U-O-Y-U.com. And that's my portfolio site. Otherwise, like, if you just, like, look, like, if you just Google Royu, I will pop up. Like, I am possibly the most famous Royu in the world right now. An important accolade. <laughs> yes. The and nice thing well about being having a Chinese name is that there is not as much competition for website URLs. Uh, I posted those links in chat for anyone who wants to get them. And of course, uh, uh, just to uh, do it one more time for anyone that's listening to this in a podcast format, uh, you can find him at www.chenruoyu.com. So be sure to check him out. Uh, do you still accept commissions for anyone that's looking for that? I do, but I am currently working a couple of gigs at the same time, so it might there might be delays. Okay, so for anyone that if you haven't seen, he's actually on a commission for me. He's amazing to work with. I'm the Quick piece turned out absolutely incredible, so I cannot recommend anyone better. Genuinely, uh, if someone just is like, I want a ridiculous, super sexy piece of something, um, that's a great uh, place uh, person to go to. Uh, I'm just glad you you like me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, hey, one day, <laughs> one day I'll use that art for its intended purpose. Uh, um, uh, actually, I guess we'll finish. Up. Uh, Rio, you any closing thoughts or uh things as we're signing off here? Mm, I think we covered pretty much everything. Great, and thank you so much for coming by. 
by the way. Of course. Um, no problem. I, I know uh, all three of us here. are in wildly different time zones. So we, yeah. we yeah. really, really appreciate it. 2.47 a.m. right now. Yeah, we really and appreciate it. I'm probably you. disturbing my family. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate you coming by um, to answer of all of our stupid Western questions and help us get keyed into what's going on. Of um, course, no problem. Uh, Nathan, any any closing things or uh, things you're up to that you want people to know about as we're signing off? No, no, thinking good. Okay. I'm like an hour late for the gym. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, uh, once again, I'm Lord Master of Sotech. Nathan, great book of grudges. Real, you, uh, you can find at those places. Uh, thank you all so much for coming by. Uh, we will be back next week on hopefully Sunday, uh, maybe at the regular time. Um, there is some stuff me and Nathan for Lorebeards may have to deal with um, yeah. that could cause complications, but keep an eye on Twitter uh, for uh, us. And uh, for Lorebeards, keep in mind that is the, the, the topic is units. Uh, mm -hmm. so, and it, you know, paint a whole unit. Like you don't, if you, if you just get, if you get just one guy done in two weeks, that's fine too. But you know, try and get a, yeah. try and get a squad. So as uh, long as it's like a troop, you're fine. Yeah. And, uh, make sure those are submitted on Twitter under hashtag Lorebeards. And that's going to be it for us. Thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for watching. Bye.